Sirius 197, XM202, The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. It's the Run and Fest Show on what is now being called a Friday. No. Uh, finally, Friday. Work week is over. Uh, we've got a uh, guest coming up in just a, a couple of uh, seconds, Chris. Ron Eldred is his name. I know him from the uh, movie Sleepers, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But you know him from the other uh movie where they had to save the earth that wasn't Armageddon. Remember there was two movies. Deep uh, Impact. Deep Impact. Uh, they came out at, at the same time. Yeah. Armageddon and the one that wasn't Armageddon. <laughs> and for whatever reason he picked the one that wasn't Armageddon. Come on. You always want to be, if you can be in the movie with Die Hard uh, you want to do it. Uh, but this uh, film that he's got is at Tribeca Film Festival. And uh, who isn't talking about Tribeca Film Festival? It's here? huge. It's New York. It's fucking going, been going on for weeks now. It's only lower in New York. That's, that's where that's New they York They go matters. out of their way to say, hey, this isn't for all New York. <laughs> and this is, uh, by the way, Mikey Boy's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, trendy. Well, it was trendy 10 years ago. I don't know if you'd still call Tribeca trendy. Well, it's gotten a little more bougie, as they say. I will say this. There's great restaurants there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of the few parts of town that you can go to that it widens out a little bit and it gets a little quiet at night, even though those, there's like great clubs. So it's a strange and yet, I think, uh, gorgeous part of uh, New York City. Oh, that's great. And then the Tribeca Film Festival takes it over and you're down and in the streets there's all the coolest movie stars in the world. This is De Niro's neighborhood. I think he was the first person because it used to be kind of factories and meat packing and all yeah. that. So uh, now it's got that look of, hey, we're, we've got an art, mu- uh, you know, like an art gallery in a place that used to make socks. Isn't this great? So everybody loves it. <laughs> Everybody's like crazy about it. A lot of high ceilings, big lofts. Oh, you know who might have even moved in was John John Kennedy. Might have been the first there even before uh, De Niro. And, of course, De Niro opened up some great restaurants. And he was De Niro was down there the other day. Uh, Brian Williams and him did a very uncomfortable interview. Oh, man. <laughs> I was just talking to Jim Norton about interviews. Um, he's become very interested in the, uh, in the interview process since he started to do his, uh, his own show over there. And um, where's, where's he at? What's the metal channel? He's on the Boneyard. On the Boneyard, yeah. So uh, afterwards, he was actually talking to me about interviews. 
Uh, that's not the not the problem that we're going to have. Um, I'm looking down at, at notes they're sending me as, as we're coming in. I don't know where that came from. Does that mean we have them now? I don't know what this means. I need to get something where you guys were. But you see the the, I see it. the message that was sent to me. Yeah. Um, that has never been a uh, a problem with this. Uh, what would be the problem is when he's coming in. But I need uh, some. You're writing a note to me. There's a, there's a note coming over now. I just All got right, some information. Well, you can actually say it to me out loud. Oh, sure. Writer and writer and director of the film are also here. All right, the writer and director of the film, so we get all of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that's what we prep for. Why we're all happy about it. All right, so the writer and director of the film is just one person. My team. Michael Cuesta. Michael Cuesta, who, all, well, off the top of my head, he did L.I.E. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very... Uh, very, very. Uh, oh no, it's no, it's also uh, Gerald Cuesta is there also. So the whole gang, the whole gang is coming in, and uh, all right. So let's go over this. Let's go over who we have for the show. We've got uh, Ron uh, Eldred, and then Michael and Gerald Cuesta. All three of them are uh, are here. So the uh, um, let me explain the film to you for just a second. Uh, you're looking at a chance to uh, the, what's going on in the world right now is the world is falling apart a little bit so I see this film of this heavy metal, heavy metal roadie it's kind of oddly enough happening to all of us at the same time which means you're going to move back in with the, your mom uh, you're going to move back in with your mom because your career did not work out um and that's where he is. So Ron Elder, who you know from uh, Sleepers, uh, Deep Impact, a lot mm -hmm. of great films, oh, yeah. a lot of TV and films. And now these uh, two brothers, Michael Cuesta and Gerald Cuesta, the name of the film is uh, Rhodey. Let's bring them on. Just debuted at the Tribeca 
Film Festival. Let's have the uh, writers and director Michael and Gerald Cuesta are here with us, as well as the star of the film, Ron Elder. How are you guys doing? Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Thank for, you. Uh, well, for first of all, bringing back uh, not only the name uh, Blue Oyster Cult, <laughs> but also a Robin Trower song, which I hadn't heard in many, many years. So uh, it really is. Here's the way I saw the film right off the bat. This is the metaphor for what I think everybody of that age group is going through. Whether or not you picked, whether or not you followed your dream or took the conservative job, everyone's going to move back in with their mom. You're not going to get out of this. <laughs> You're not going to get out of this. Right. Um, I also, I want to bring this up to you guys, too. Uh, the Good Rats mentioned in the yeah. film. After and Pepe's in the movie. He's yeah. the dude the at movie. the end of the bar. He's like a, he plays a little teeny part. He's at the end of the bar. Just giving the uh, that's I don't right. Give a shit. That's yeah, right. That's Pepe. Shit, one of the great voices in rock and roll. Great rock voice and very much one of the underappreciated bands of that era. You know, they were the greatest rock band that never made it. I Rolling think Stone. A, Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone. Made them yeah. The greatest rock band nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> Except for everyone on Long Island. Everyone on Long Island loves that. I think Jersey, too. I think they were Tri-State. And Five Towns. Right on the border, too, over into Queens. Right, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, the Tri-State area. Yeah. yeah. And yet still playing, right? Uh, everything. Yeah, played it, last week. Yeah. They, they played B.B. King's. Last week. Yep. Uh, so what, you guys are all Long Island guys, right? I was born there. I didn't live there very long. I grew up then in Queens. Queens. And back Brooklyn. to Queens. So you guys are Long Island guys. L.I.E. was... Uh, was the first film? Yes, L.A. Uh, is my first film, yeah, that Gerald and I co-wrote with a, another writer who's not here, Steve Ryder. Also, we worked yeah. with him, um, but he hasn't been in my life for quite a while. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about this film. What, what uh, brought it all together? Uh, Gerald wrote a, a draft uh, of, of uh, the story about five, six years ago that was about a roadie that, was, uh, that gets fired from a, not Blue Oyster called a fictional hairband, and... Uh, returns to the town he grew up in and he puts his own band together it becomes about him trying to get his life together by putting his own band together and he meets this young girl and there was one scene and i had done a f i had finished a film uh about two years ago that i had a, to be honest a horrible experience on and i wanted to and it wasn't a personal film it was my third film and i wanted to really just I was like, okay, I want to make another film. And Gerald and I talked about this script that this draft he wrote. And I read one scene in the draft that I thought was the movie, which mm -hmm. was him and his mother and this one scene between them and and him uh, uh, going into the the room that he grew up in. And I, and I thought, I want to expand on that and make it about just the first 24 hours home and make it more of a homecoming movie and more about him sort of starting his life over mm -hmm. on that first day home or the first day of the rest of his life kind of uh, tale. Yeah, so when he called me, I was very happy to get the I was like freezing my balls off in Chicago. <laughs> I had just moved there. So um, it was great. Oh, again, we're going to get to do something together again. So it was very exciting. And to mine... Our past, in a way. Right. Yeah. It was interesting, too, that Queens still, you know, here it is, New York City, but it still had the same returning to a small town problem, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he still is going to see the old guys from the neighborhood, and it's still that, uh, all right, let's measure our life against each other right now. Isn't this the worst possible thing you can do is go home? You it's know, and, and I, I'm from where we yeah. shot this movie. I lived, I lived all around Queens, but we literally shot in places, several places that are within ten minute walking from where I lived. Yeah, and so in doing the movie, I had that feeling. I, I had that feeling 
over and over mm -hmm. and over. I mean, yeah, and you mine all the stuff that you remember. I, I went to a funeral, a, de uh, a friend of mine I grew up with in Dix Hills, Long Island, about six years ago, and there was a guy at the wake, or not the wake, the shiva that uh, I hadn't seen since high school. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he said to me, when I saw him, he looked at me and he goes, Hey, Cuesta, what's with that director shit you do? Right, right. <laughs> no one, yeah. Uh, everyone will take whatever you're doing as an insult to their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, where does this come across? No, I didn't, I didn't live my life to hurt your feelings. <laughs> That's right. But it is the oddest thing. And also, I think the great part of that is like when you see guys that used to be close with, how they confuse like everything you've ever done in your life, they think happened in the same weekend. So, <laughs> yes, right. And, and being in this business also, you know, I go back and I lived, a, I lived all over, but I, I, when I was in high school and junior high, I was in uh, Ridgewood, Queens, which is right. uh, actually Brooklyn and Queens. But I worked at a place called Chicken Galore, you know, Cook No More, right. called Chicken Galore. And there's dudes that still work there when I would go back who I was in junior high with. Yeah. And lovely guys, really great. And they're all very supportive. They come see my place. But they speak to me the same way, l like everything's happened. And that, uh, <laughs> like, they'll say, Yo, oh, did you see, well, let's say The Godfather. It doesn't matter. You see a Godfather? That was great. You should have got a part in that. <laughs> right. Why don't you do a part in that? Right. You know, why don't you do that? Or, you know, or they'll speak to you. I had a guy bring up, like, an incident that happened in eighth grade as if it was yesterday. Yeah. You know, hey, remember, because he, I didn't, he got the part of Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof, and I, I didn't get any part. And he was like, hey, yeah, remember, I was Tevia, right? How you, how, you didn't get that fucking part. I was like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? You didn't get that part. I was yeah, you were great there. And, and <laughs> meeting Ron, he clearly yeah. connects with all this stuff. Yeah. And meeting him for the first time, he's so authentic. He's that guy. And, you know, when we first met, I mean, you didn't ask this question, but he embodied the, our first meeting. He embodied so much of what we wrote in this character. You well, know, the, knowing it, the neighborhood and, and knowing yeah. sort of the vernacular and the rhythms of the speech and uh, knowing these people's dreams and... And, and, of course, he treated it with dignity. And, uh, you know, Bobby never... Bobby, in his films, is normally playing the great guy in every film. So this is the first time that you see him in the film, he's treating you like such a prick. Are you talking about Bobby Cannavale? Yeah. Yeah, Bo Bobby Cannavale is, a, is, first of all, is a great actor, great yeah. guy. But I think this is his the best thing he's ever been able to do because, you're right, he often gets to play the lovable lug yeah. kind of guy. And here, this guy is such a scumbag in this movie. Right. And he's also... A lovable lug. Right. He's the kind of dude that women like and guys like because they think they could be his buddy. And he's there's there's something very. It's uh, a likable asshole. Yeah, but, but a huge asshole in this. He's not afraid to be a prick. <laughs> well, it's 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 really uh, it's amazing because you do there's something adorable about him, but he turns it in a second, and the fact that it's tied in with coke. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a great little run, that, that Coke run. Well, I'm going to say this to you, Ron. I watch uh, a lot of films, and very rarely do you see the perfect Coke face that you <laughs> perform in this. And I'm talking about when your face turns into a fist. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking over, I don't, know, I don't know what they had to do to prepare to this, but I've sat across the table from that fucking guy before. I gotta tell you, we <laughs> felt that. We, that first of all, that, the, the set is a hotel out near Whitestone, the Whitestone Bridge. And it is a hotel where while we're shooting, there's People right. coming in for 45-minute stays over and over and over. And it's and you could hear people banging down the hall. And you go, yeah. like, I would, while you guys were setting up, I would roam the hotel, the motel. Yeah. 
and you'd hear some crazy shit. There was one on the very far end of it. There's one room that you go, oh, I get it. This is where people go because they can do weird shit because no one's right. listening. But I just stood by the door. I was fascinated. <laughs> yeah. And that place, you felt sweaty. You yeah. felt cokey. The way they shot it. That absolutely. I had my uh, one of my agents after he saw it. He was like, the first thing he said is like, well, I'm not doing that shit anymore, man. <laughs> said, I'm not doing that shit anymore. Boy, that made me really. Is that what I look like? I was like, yeah, yeah, I was, dude. You we know? were crammed in that room for two days. Yeah, a room about the size of this room right here for two days, covered in mirrors. So it was all about av avoiding the mirrors. Yeah, too. which so, is the most difficult thing. At one to point, shoot, you yeah. were in the tub. Weren't you? You I was in the, in the tub, tub for shooting. probably half the day. I mean, it really came down to you know we that was a ten page scene that I remember, Cheryl. We were arguing. It's like this is never going to work because it's too long. It's really long. Yeah. 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 And we ended up throwing a lot of it out in the uh, uh, rehearsal, and Ron, Jill, and Bobby really sort of brought a sort of great cadence and rhythm and, and life to it just by improvising it. And yeah. we did, we came up with some stuff. You know, we wrote at least half of the second half of the scene just sitting together. Absolutely. And, and, and Ron telling her to resolve it with a G, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the... Actually, someone said to me, I think my wife said to me, she's like, it's too obvious. It's obvious that's right. Can you come up with resolve it with like an E minor 7 or something? Does it yeah. have to be that nope. obvious? No, man. <laughs> Four chords and end with the G. Exactly. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't fuck with right, it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, why this uh, music? Why was it Blue Oyster Cult that he was uh, a roadie for? Because these two guys, uh, with I say this lovingly, yeah. I like Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. I saw them in concert. You know, how can you not like more cowbell? Right. But these two guys are genuine in the most beautiful way. You guys are BOC geeks to the 10th degree. They love this band. Yeah. They, and you see, they treat them with great reverence. And in yeah. doing that, you actually get, a, I think the whole movie is this way, is by being so honest. You guys are really honest how you wrote this. That I think they didn't even realize. I thought they were writing this like coming of middle age movie, but I think this right. movie really is way bigger than that. I think you can be a teenager, 20, 40, 80, and people have seen it. I think because it's treated that way, I think if you're just alive, yeah. if you've had a, a mother, a father, yeah. a dream, want to have a dream, and that they do it so beautifully through BOC. And also find, a, and Gerald will speak more to this, uh, find, a, also picking them, they, they were the best band to us but not to everyone else right. <laughs> and we spent right and yeah. you know cult was was popular but they were never sabbath they were never yeah. rush after rush took off we saw rush open for them once and a year later rush was now the headliner <laughs> band yeah. and cult was just below that because we, they were uh, they were eclectic they were they were always very eclectic they never had a like what, what we did like about them was that they didn't have a face you know like you know steven tyler and uh joe perry that's the face of yeah. aerosmith uh kiss obviously Mm -hmm. you know, the face of the band. What was Blue Oyster Cult? They were just fucking odd, you know, in a way. And and their music felt eclectic to us. It was kind of, there's a scene when Rob Ron gives this great uh, soliloquy about, uh, you know, pretty much it's like, where they swing, where they pop, or, right. you know, Couldn't and all peg, that. Can't peg them. You can't peg them. And their lyrics are kind of strange bizarre lyrics, well, Gerald, and we were horror movie sci-fi fans and you couldn't figure out what the hell they were singing about but that's what we loved about it like right. you know yeah and also I still don't know what the hell they're saying as Bobby said <laughs> but I just movie. also I still think the guys uh, Don Roser Buck Dharma most underrated hard rock lead guitars I, you know we, we played at the after party mm -hmm. and uh, we played three BOC songs at the after party and the first song Dominance and Submission has this amazing guitar solo that Ron talks about in the right. film that he references as being one of the great you know 
rock guitar solos, no one really knows it. You know, mm-hmm. you think of Heartbreak or you think of Hendrix, you think <laughs> right. of Townsend. But I played it the other night and I avoided that area. We cut it off, so we ended the song early. Because <laughs> there's no way, I, I mean, I play guitar, I can't play a Buck Dharma guitar solo. <laughs> no, and you know, we, in the movie, uh, we actually, they let us, BOC was playing in Long Island, mm-hmm. and they let me come in as the roadie and help uh, load in the show. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the real. I'm with the real head roadie with them. Yeah, that's us loading in their show in Long Island. It was very cool. That um, now, did you did anybody recognize you and go, oh no, shit. no? Because look, <laughs> no, actually, I, I gained 38 pounds right. for that part, and I have that really lot of facial hair. I mean, it's no, they didn't at all. And uh, no, I slipped right under the radar. And I also told them, just put me to work, man. Put me to work and treat me just like the roadie. I just put me to work. And that's what they did. So no, no one noticed, recognized me at all. The uh, funny thing is, that was like a dream job. When you were a kid, you were thinking, if I could be a roadie, right. chicks exactly. on the road. Right. Uh, you know, that would have been the thing. I got to hold the cowbell. Yeah, for oh, real, did? I did. He was like, he was like, here, this is the cowbell. <laughs> the cowbell. And he yeah. says he gets to play it. Like and he says, sometimes when the, in concert, I'm the one playing it. I sit back, and jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking cool, man. The. Um, the the funny thing though, and I mentioned this as you guys came in, is like I kind of feel like everybody in the country though is that close to being back with their mom now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everybody, no whatever joke. portfolio you ever had, whatever you thought was the equity in your house, <laughs> all that shit that we worked so hard for and we thought about and got in bad conversations, now. Anyone who stumbles and you're like, what the fuck do I do? And I thought that was the interesting thing. It doesn't matter whether you followed your dreams or didn't follow your dreams. You were in the same exact position mm-hmm. in this uh, country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, astonishing. I, I, you know, that's a I, I, that's interesting. I think that's the first time I've heard someone say this, and we've yeah. talked about the movie. You're dead on. I didn't yeah. really think that you're right. People are. Many, many people, uh, yeah. not just working class people, many people are one breath away or are actually going back. I know people who are going back. Yeah, oh, so do I. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they normally have to do it under that thing of, you know, I'm worried about my mom. That's I, right. You know that's, what I mean? what, that's what my you friend know? said. <laughs> so, which was, was great with your character because he's never honest. You know what I mean? Like, no, and no. how, you until know. Until the end. Yeah. Until, and then what does she, she all of a sudden is Willie Loman. She won't listen mm. to the truth. None right. of us want to hear the truth mm-hmm. about each other mm-hmm. but I think that's another beautiful thing about the movie is that without being preachy without I mean it's a I just love this script I love yeah. this movie you know I, I have to sell stuff that's what you know I mean I right. have to sell a job but it's my job but I, I, I'm not someone who can bullshit that way I right. mostly just be quiet and, <laughs> yeah. you know I'll show up but I'll be quiet I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna tell someone to go spend their money on something I don't think yeah. is good but I'll be quiet it's my job this one this movie just really if I wasn't in this movie uh, I would want to see this movie, and for these reasons you're talking about, right. it really touches a lot of areas. It's so honest and yet still funny and sad, and every you know it's uh, it's hard to be alive, man. Yeah, it is. And it's hard to be honest. Period. Yeah, life is a fucking struggle for everyone, and everyone you know everyone compares their insides with other people's outsides, and frankly, everyone is just trying to tread water. And I know people who are. And as you do, I'm sure yeah. you know you, you meet them all the time. People who are successes and yeah. big, like big successes. Yeah. It doesn't take very long to hang around a human being to go if you're open to go. Oh, I get it. You're just a dude, man. Yeah, right. You got really you got a lot of money, or you got this, but you're a dude. I see. Yeah, you, you're you're struggling just like everybody else. And I think here, again, 
often working class people most often are written down they're dumbed down they're they're written down to people uh, don't give them dignity and i'm from poor working class i grew up that's how i grew up and you know i, I i'm offended by that sort of thing right and you guys uh gerald and michael wrote something that has dignity that has uh humanity and yet still isn't precious it's like you know these people are fucked man yeah. and they're all so beautiful yeah. and you know everyone's got a dream and everyone's struggling I, I but this thing that people are almost ready to pack it in i didn't think about that but you're dead on yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and again i think it doesn't matter what choice we made nope. you know i remember seeing rocky <laughs> as a kid and i'm like yeah that'll feel great if you just take your shot that you know Nah, not always. You know, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard. I took my shot and I didn't get it. Or I had it for a while and couldn't hold on to it. Mm. Uh, and it goes back to what you said. It's not easy. I don't know why we tell kids that it is and you can believe your dream. Well, in the end, there's really nothing to hold on to. Right. I mean, in the end, that's not how, that's not how the world works. That's yeah. not how... The, there is nothing really ever to hold on to. Right. We, and you spend a whole life yeah. grabbing and having things slip through and grabbing something else and grabbing something else. And I, I love that this one does that, but just by moving people... The movie is almost in real time. Yeah. Just by moving people from place to place to place to place, honestly. And also, it's, I think there's beautiful performances in this, and you wrote something really that I, I, I would want to see. Mm. Um, so it's entertaining, but in just the simplicity of step by step by step, you go, oh, wow, everything... There's nothing solid in this world. Man. Yeah, it's also, for us, when we were doing it, it was also, Gerald and I had a, the conversation a lot about finding the dignity in what you, in what you do and where you are. It's okay. Right. And, fi and, and, and being good at that. And I think that's something that's been lost, too, is right. craftsmanship. Or being good at, you know, being the best roadie you can be. And Ron says it in the beginning of the film. He says, I'm the best roadie you ever had, dude. You yeah. know, and he is. And he's great at that. And but we get caught up in trying to be ha ha the way people you know how people perceive us right. rather than just being yourself and that was something we kept mining in our own lives in our own careers you yeah know, obviously and everyone can relate to that but that is a really great point because it used to be like somebody who did shoe repair would feel like I'm part of this right. community I belong here someone and I'm giving back but our generation that kind of got taken away because it became about what stuff did you get what does right. you know and it even became like well, what's the chick you're with look like to other people to not other that, people yeah, that's not, right not this how sh how you guys get along and what you do it's like i'm gonna walk into a place flash real quick and then leave before everyone can figure me out you know <laughs> uh this i think the film though goes it takes place when everybody realizes that that's kind of bullshit you know the, the, even though there's frustration about it but even success doesn't feel as great well bobby Cannavale's character in this is a is a an old friend from school right. and he's a success yeah and when i i know dudes like this he's a success this guy is a successful guy he has money he's, this mm. is a a solid a true middle class maybe even little up he's got money nice car and you realize very quickly and he does not realize, yeah. I don't think. The same thing you're saying that, wait a minute, you're just, wow, this, we're still in high school, man. We're still doing the same yeah. thing. And also, like you said before, 
we don't make anything in this country really anymore. Not much. No. It's not. We, that's what we were. Yeah. We 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 are an idea company. A, a yeah. company country. We're ideas and we're a hope country. But we don't really do that anymore. And you know, I I had family members who did that. I worked in steel, the United yeah. Steel. That's gone. Like I said, shoe repair, anything. Do it and be the fucking best. Yeah. Kick ass. There's really no call for it. And there's something about the character, too, the, um, where Ron's character, where Jimmy is at in his life, that um, we were talking, it was over dinner before going to the screening, we were kind of talking about this, too. It's like, there's this strange thing going on in the country right now, um, we feel, and we were talking about how um, if you're not, all of a sudden this attitude, if you're not rich, and if you hadn't made it, yeah. there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Seems to be more and more of that, like um, you know, this whole Anne Randian thing that seems to be coming right. back right now. It's like if you haven't made it and you aren't rich, then there's something wrong with you. And in a way, I think that does inform as we were writing the character is one of the reasons why he feels so lost. It's like, well, I had this, and I could define myself by this, and that means I made it, and that means I am, and now that's taken away. What am I? Right. I mean, you know? and and and. I don't want to give away the film, but no, there's some, yeah at the at the very end, you know, mom does say something to Jimmy to that point of uh, well, what I was saying, it's like you, you know, you're, you're the best at what you do, and yeah. we always realize that you would get, you know, yeah, right, and um, but uh, you know, as my mother always said and still says, and she comes from more of a peasant Italian American background, berets, she always says to us, um, as simple as do the best work and then the success will come but focus on making the the, right. the the chair or making the film the craft of it or making the best thing you can make and then if it does well or if whatever then that's great but, but if not at least you made it so I think that's great advice and anyway that's going back to this sort of you know the older sort of uh, the other generation about actually making things right. making them good well and also you know that uh, Andy Warhol's you know the 15 minutes of fame that actually is a, a possibility now in a, in a very strange way because of because of uh, uh, technology because of the internet because of Twitter mm -hmm. because of Facebook My, there mm -hmm. are people who truly live in a world where they are superstars because of their MySpace page yeah. or their Twitter. Their, you know, today, I mean, I see, I'm not, I don't Twitter, I don't right. Facebook, I don't do any of that stuff. But there are people, we are in such a cult of celebrity. Yeah. Like we're in a culture of celebrity and people really, I think it's sad. Uh, on, and, and I'm not talking about just kids. The whole spectrum, there is a sense that you're supposed to. It is, you're supposed to in today, particularly in America, you're supposed to be on TV. Yeah. You're supposed to be a, you know, you're supposed to have a reality show. You're supposed to become a hit on, on, uh, MySpace, on YouTube. It is bizarre to me. It is an insane thing. I'm a private guy, mm -hmm. but this, that concept, I look and go, it, it, it freaks me out. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is, you have to be entertaining in this country. Like, if a scientist does this show, right, he also better be funny, or else I'm going to hear... I'm like, he just explained right, right. ten fucking dimensions right. to you people, but he ums and ahs, so you're like, he blows, you know? But the other cool thing is, no matter who That's you so are... You know how to be on TV. Like some guy who just, you know, he saw a fire, he pulled some. He's able to go in and do the Today Show. 
as good as you guys who are from the internet. Everyone knows what it's like to be interviewed, to go on television, right. do Letterman. And right. it, if, if you hand that ball to an American, they start to run like hell with it. For you know? a v oh, for 10 yards. Yeah. Because I, I happen for just 10 yards maybe. Yeah. Very few people can actually do what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? People can't really... They can do it for that flash, and then it's like the junkie who, you know, that first hit, right. and goes, I want it back. You actually have to have a craft. Yeah. You actually have to have something to actually make that your life. You know, yeah, but, right. but you get, the, the blast is so strong these days. Like you said, you get yeah. on TV, that blast can put you on another show, then another show, then on a reality show, or you could actually think that that might happen. But the truth is, is that what you were saying, Michael, about, but you need to know how to do something. Really, not just anyone can do that. Yeah. You know, well, but you can get a moment here, and a moment could be even a year or two. Look at these reality people. And a, a, there is an illusion that that's what we're supposed to do. I had yeah. a conversation at the dinner right before the, uh, the premiere with, uh, with, there was a couple there, and the guy's daughter is in film school, and he kept saying, well, she, kind of, she wants to be a cameraman. I want her to be a director. The cameraman's not the job. She has to yeah. be a director. <laughs> and I kept telling him, like, but the cameraman's a good job. It's a right. great he's like, job. but she's gonna be, she's gonna end up in some cherry picker and be up there all night, <laughs> and she's not telling people what to do, and I'm like, but what, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's a great craft, and maybe from there she could build a foundation and become a director. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was very much in the spirit of what we're talking about about the unsung hero like you know the people behind the scenes like like ron's character there's a scene in the movie that uh, one of my favorite scenes and it's one of the simplest things which is him restringing jill hennessy's guitar yeah because then you see in that moment and the way he cuts the string that this guy was good yeah you know what i mean like there is a craft there and it's the first time you see him doing it and i always found it so touching Especially because he's doing it for her, considering the backstory between them. I never that. Um, you know what? I'm uh, uh, as a as like as a douchey actor thing, but I'm really glad that you said that because that to me was also a really important moment. I love that First scene of, they're, too. They're, they're, he's high as a kite. Right. He's sweaty and coked up, and you know he's uh, but he could do that in his sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. And he does it elegantly. And, and it he feels does it, good. And he, it, yeah. it's, it's right. It's exactly right. He, this is what he does. It's. It's it's uh it's sacred. That that guitar stringing yeah. a guitar, making it right, tuning it, that is not for just anyone. That is he's busted his ass. He's put a life into that. And he can do it and great guitarists. One of the great guitarists hands him his guitar that someone would pay, you know, a hundred grand for because he trusts him and in his sleep he would handle that. Mm -hmm. and do it that way like a baby. And I think that's, oh, I'm so glad you said that, Joe, because mm -hmm. that is, a, to me, it was a beautiful moment. In the middle of all that shit, you go... And we play oh. it out in real time. You know, that, yeah. in terms of filmmaking, like that, we had to just ca observe that moment, because that was your roadie moment. That's the yeah. only, like, real <laughs> roadie moment yeah. in the film. So when you take a, a film like this, and you know it's the exact opposite of what Hollywood is doing right now. Right, you know, right. You're not going to have some Burger King tie-in and right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you're proud of it. Now, how, how do you guys go about rolling this thing out and getting it seen? Well, we, we have premieres here at the festival, and mm -hmm. uh, a distributor buys it and then gives it a big release. You yeah. know? I mean, that's the, usually the plan. I, I think the film... Um, all my films have come out, so I would think that right. there'll, there'll be the fourth one to come out. Um, 
I, you know, funny enough, I think it's the most commercial movie right. I've made. Absolutely. You know, I've made three other films that are all dark. People call this dark. I, I don't think it's dark at all, but whatever. <laughs> it's I don't, a little I, dark, bro. I don't get it. I, people say that. I always say it's, I'm always, maybe I'm always looking for the light and the dark in my films, but, but, uh, and this one has more than others. Yeah. But, um, I think it's the most commercial, maybe, it, 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 because er, again, that scene with Robin Trower singing that song in yeah. the room, all, everyone's, it's, it's, a, it's accessible. And yeah. Jill Hennessy's really hot in it. She's a sexy chick. Yeah, it's got, yeah. Yeah. and you know, and I don't think people have to be a fan of Blue Oyster Cult to under, you know, understand, no. you know, connect. It's not like you need a soundtrack. I mean, I wasn't going to, he wasn't going to be a roadie for Kiss, so. And also, you know, every, because I feel the same way. I, 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 I just did a bit, after this movie, I did a, a movie that's a bit, one of those big movies. It's called Super 8 with J.J. Mm -hmm. Abrams. Big movie. But he's also, but it's a, it's his smallest of big movies. But I don't do a lot of those. This movie, every year, thank God, there are, and more often than not, look at, if you look even at, for like Academy Awards stuff, mm -hmm. In the last 10 years or so, there's always one or two, and it's becoming more. I think people actually, they are programmed to want to, to you just, yeah. it's hard to resist the, the sell that you're given by huge, huge corporations that make, that assault you, that make you, you must go see Transformers. You have to, it's, you can't, yeah. it just kind of, you get your burger, you get this, and then you go see the movie. <laughs> but little gems like this, slip in all the time and I think again I wouldn't say this I, I just wouldn't bullshit I think this is a beautiful film and it's funny and it's touching and people of a wide range are really responding to this in a beautiful way and I think this one of you and I'm a fan of your movies but I think this one has a chance to to be heard and to yeah. be seen and not just in two art houses, which is, that's fine too, I, I go to those movies. I think this one has a shot for these, and even as I speak to more people, like mm -hmm. you've brought up things today that I was like, oh wow, I hadn't seen that. Yeah. Right? And I thought I was really clever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think this one has such a big heart. Yeah, we're all. I think that we're still looking for that human connection and the fact that you identify. At least I did with more than just your character. Yes, you know, what I mean, when when I saw the the way that your, your mother in the film had kept your room, I kind of said, "Yeah, I know what it feels like too to be on that other side of." Can't we slow time down? You know what I mean? Right. Can't we, right. Uh, oh, that that's a nice down, way to say that. You know? Can we slow time down? Yeah. Um, for, uh, for you, Ron, what uh, what is the scene that most people bring up to you out of your whole life? Uh, wait, wait, say that again. Like, if someone's going to walk up to you in the street, yeah. and, about your career, what scene do you think they pull up to you? Because oh, of like jobs I've done, yeah. Well, you know, it depends on where I am in the country. You know, and mm -hmm. I've done I've done a, I've done television, theater, and movies. So it really depends on where they know me from. People who know you from TV. They've watched you in the underwear. So they, right. they, they'll usually, if someone's a big TV person, they, they, they still remember ER or, you know, they bring that up. Movie-wise, you know, there's, a, there's one scene particularly in the movie Sleepers. The revenge scene. Yeah, and uh, I got to tell you, people, that struck a chord in people. Uh, of many different uh, varieties of people, they'll come up. But I look different in that. Like, right. And I look different from thing to thing. But that that often they will uh, sleepers is is a, is a is one that they jump up there did a it's usually these bigger movies it depends on where in the country but certainly 
Sleepers, they do. The Black Revenge, Hawk Down. Yeah, the Revenge scene in Sleepers. I've been in so many discussions with people over the years of loving that scene. I think it's one of the, the finest scenes ever. You know and what? Just oh, ever. that's very kind. Uh, I think that that scene... I think that that's, that run, like mm -hmm. the Coke run in this movie, which I think is going to have real legs. That I agree. Coke run is, is something real special, guys. You yeah. did something really special there. But that run in Sleepers, uh, Barry Levinson, uh, he treated that... I mean, it really it opens the second half of the film, and he treated it like a little movie. And you know, I'll tell you something, if you have a moment. Yeah, I get so when of time. I, so when we're going to do that movie, you know, Barry Levinson, there's a lot of big stars in that movie. You know, mm -hmm. it's got Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Brad Pitt, blah, blah, blah. So when I met him, uh, I, I, I was going to be one of two, either the part I played or the part Billy Crudup played. But I said, I want to play John. I mm -hmm. want my part. He said, well, it depends on the kid. We've got to match, get a kid who matches mm -hmm. you. But then uh, he gave me that part, and we, were, we met about two months before shooting to talk about it. And we were, he was trying to explain to me how he wanted it to go, and, I was trying, and we weren't quite figuring it out. And he said to me, tell you what, I'm going to play some music. There's a piece of music I'm going to play. I, I, it's the music that's going to be in the movie. Let me just play it and see what it does. He started to play it in his office. 30 seconds in, I said, we don't need to talk anymore. I get it, bro. Bring that music, though, the day of the shoot. Will you bring it for me? Because there's, there's a part in that scene where I walk to the bathroom and I yeah. just look in the bathroom mirror before I go out and we, we kill him. And just by the music, it set up that whole run for me. And then two months later, we never talked about him. The day that we go to shoot that, he's got five speakers. He's got the music. And it's playing for Is me right? while I'm doing it. And it set everything. But that run, he treated like... I mean, he just treated it so beautifully, and he allowed us to really find our way. And, you know, Kevin Bacon is just great in that. Uh, and that, that is a great murder, man. That is, is a beautiful... Yeah. That's a short story in itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's up there with the true romance uh, oh, scene, God. you know. It's, with Gandolfini? Uh, yeah. Oof. On the same uh, level as that. Uh, but for you, what I loved about that scene, too, is right as you recognize him, you get the little kid face. You get the... Yeah, he the scared the comes, shit out of him. Yeah, it scares the shit out So here's this toughest guy in the world, but that fear, that little kid fear. You know, I did... Uh, inside. Thank you so much. I'm glad yeah. that you got... I, I love that. Um, two years ago, I did... About a year and a half, two years ago, I did a, an episode of Law and & Order. Mm -hmm. And the driver picks me up, and we're driving out to Jersey, and he's looking at me a certain way, and I, I, I don't quite know what it is and finally he says uh, you were in sleepers right <laughs> he said yeah he says you know that was my brother you played mm. four of the four of the the, the drivers the uh, union guys on L Law and Order are from that gang wow. they're, they're Westies right, right, and right. I can say this everyone knows these are great guys they're not yeah. they're not bad guys anymore but they were right in it and yeah. he gave me the best confidence he actually gave me a hug and said you did it right man you did it right. And my dad used to hang around those guys. My real yeah. dad used to hang around those guys. But uh, the real guys were like, and then I met all of them. I met all the, you know, yeah. the, the real guys were like, we think that, we, that fucking rider, that was bullshit. <laughs> he was not in that neighborhood, you know. <laughs> we don't, that motherfucker made that shit up because we'd have known him. But you did it right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, thanks, man. Don't shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We could walk over the window now, look down at that neighborhood, and there's like Disney characters walking yeah. around waving to people. I know. It's you know, changed I, so I, much. I, I, my last place here was in Soho down in Lafayette. And I remember, and it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. And I, I like it. But I, I kind of miss sometimes 
the fact that you, Soho, which is now so beautiful, but yeah. it used to be, when I was in high school, you don't go down there unless you were a junkie. Right. Trying to get a prostitute, or you were an artist living in yeah. those lofts, and it was dark and dangerous and cool. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that people aren't getting beat up, but there's a few places that people should, there, every city should have a place where you go there, you can get your ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone paid rent in Soho to like this. No, you're right. right. They just went in, they just took it. Um, for you guys, too, Long Island, I think, is the perfect um, kind of metaphor because it's the. It's. I think it's one of the strangest places in America. It's just one entrance, one exit. It goes on forever, <laughs> right. and there's just you can run into anything once you get out there. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's amazing is that um, it's so close to Manhattan. Yeah, and it's so foreign to Manhattan at the right. same time. You know, it's like like growing up on Long Island, we kind of looked at Manhattan as being this kind of mecca. You know uh -huh. what I mean? As in in the same way, if somebody growing up in Appleton, Wisconsin, right, might think of Manhattan <laughs> as being like this mecca. But meanwhile, we were forty miles away, right, on that straight road you're talking about. You, you know, know I, I didn't find um, the stories or the relevance of Long Island for a film or a story or a picture story until I left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and growing up there, I thought it was the most depressing, uninspiring place. And then I went to live in the city, and I went to art school, and I was inspired, and I became, who you know, learned uh, to be a craftsman. I started out as a photographer, and I didn't get it until then. And then mm -hmm. when I went back, and that's when all the visuals and the stories came. And I'm like, holy shit, there are stories and tableaus and set pieces to, to, to set story here. But I didn't realize it, of course, until you have that objectivity and that distance. But growing up in it, it was just like, I just wanted to get out. That's yeah. what it was all about. <laughs> and yet people were like, everyone I meet from Long Island will run off this list of celebrities that came out of those, we got Seinfeld, Billy yeah, Joe. They, yeah, right. they really do that. Yeah, You're right. all, every Baldwin brother. Right. It doesn't matter where they're from, right. but if they made it from Long Island, people carried around with them on a sheet of paper. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at my first film, I, I decided to make kind of a darker right. movie about Long Island, or about a story that t takes place in Long Island, along our, you know, the LIE, the... Um, right. Well, the, you know, it, of course, beautiful homes are out there and everything, mm -hmm. but at the same time with this Long Island killer that's going around, right. they're finding bodies that aren't even connected to him. That's right. They're the, <laughs> the missing people out there. Right. They're going, yeah. well, we found someone. <laughs> we don't know who. How does it not come up? How does someone not know who's missing? I, I heard that my dog was barking the other night. and uh, <laughs> No, no, and it was late at night. I went downstairs and I turned the TV on and that news was on. Oh. All of a sudden, I've never, ever been afraid in Long Island. I live in Huntington Bay now, yeah. which is by the water, and it's very sort of quiet over there. Remember when, like, uh, was it was, um, Joey Botafuco when that whole thing was going on? Yeah. yeah. And then there was the Katie Beers story. Always bizarre. And it was like all these bizarre, yeah. like, dysfunctional things coming out of Long Island that were making national news. It is a very strange... I mean, one of the strangest things I always found about Long Island was that in the late 70s, early 80s, it was pretty much the southern rock capital. Of America, oh, yeah, yeah. Southern Rock was so pop. pop yeah, Skinner, yeah. uh, 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 Marshall Tucker, Marshall Tucker. 
Well, that's what's tied in with you guys. It's always this, you know, big arena type rock, like yeah. Blue Oyster Cult, mm-hmm. uh, plays a part of that. And then, isn't it odd that we're growing older with that kind of music? You know, instead of like having jazz, or whatever, like maybe our parents had, mm-hmm. or it's just this strange, <laughs> crazy theatrical rock that these guys put on. My mother goes back to her, the, my mother goes back to the music of her youth, right? Yeah. She'll, she'll put on Johnny Mathis. Yeah. And then I'm going back to the music of my youth, and I'm listening to a guy singing about Lucifer being the light. Right. <laughs> you get a little Seven tear Street. in your eye because yeah. you're remembering an ex-girlfriend. Right. I think it has more in common with Mathis than your mom knows. <laughs> uh, Roadie is the uh, is the film uh, just uh, debuted at Tribeca. It's so great uh, having you guys come in here, man. Oh, thank you thank for having us. Thank, thank you so for much. having us. And so uh, I cool. hope people will find this film. Seek it out, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure that when you guys go rolling out, I keep plugging it on here. Oh, thank oh, you, brother. So thank you. Meet you. Nice meeting you.
Yeah, I didn't mean to be rude, girls. Uh, Mr. Chavello, I like your presence in the back room. If you got a moment or two. What, you mean you request my presence for a moment or two in the back room? I most certainly do. Well, uh, after you. No, after you. No, after you. Hey, Mr. Chavello, after you. No, after you. It's Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Ron Elder was the uh, actor that was in here. Uh, I brought up uh, Sleepers, the great job he did in Sleepers, and then also um, this new movie he has coming out about being a roadie that just got fired from Blue Oyster Cult. Man, those guys love Blue Oyster Cult, huh? Yeah, really. And cover bands and whatnot. And um, yeah, they're just uh, crazy about it. BOC. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, we got a contact uh, right now from Steely Shodan <gasps> in Japan. Oh, my God. The all-Japanese, uh, completely Japanese cover band of Steely Dan and... Uh, of course, any of Fagan's solo work. Yeah. They, they they put that right there. You track it. Um, but they are ecstatic to get some airplay in the States. Good. Uh, apparently, GVAC has contacted them. Uh, GVAC, somewhat obsessed with them, as is uh, Rob Cross, our program director. Wow. Who said he'd like to do a Steely a Showdown show. And w- well, we all would. By the yeah. way, same check is the one who hooked us up with us. The problem would be they have to get themselves to the States. There's no way I can walk down the hall and say, I want $32,000 to fly in an all-Asian uh, cover band. Look at 15 of them. <laughs> but it, it did dawn on me that if we got them to come in and play here, you know Fagan and Becker would have to come in to see this weird show. Fuck Yeah. Uh, a goddamn super show, man. As as well as maybe the the Dukes of uh, <laughs> September. September, my new favorite band. Um, but it's um, it's really funny to just to know that some guys are like, "What did I tell you? They're fucking playing us in the states." And one of the things is that one of the notes that they wrote to us on Twitter. It looks like they signed up with, with, to Twitter to just talk to us. Fuck yeah. Uh, was. Do you have any future plans for our music? <laughs> and like, part of me wants to write back, what do you mean our music? It ain't yours. <laughs> You're covering it. That's what you do. You cover other people's music. Pretty much, yeah. I wonder, you know, it's like if a guy was playing Lincoln in a plane and got confused and thought that he was Lincoln. <laughs> you know, hey, I was, a, per- I was a pretty good president. And I would have been better if they hadn't shot me in the head. Um, ben, you're on the run of Fez show. Ronnie. Yeah. 
before I give you uh, props on that interview with uh, the uh, all the guys from uh, Roadie and the Sleeper stuff and everything, but mainly the last hour of the Funk Friday show, that was tight, man. Big ups. That was a great show. You know, I was surprised how much positive feedback, because we basically turned the hour over and just funked it out. Yeah. And those guys did mainly originals. Yeah. So yeah. to come on a uh, a radio show and play a bunch of original funk music um, and then get a great response, not easy to pull off. They killed it. New York Funk Exchange uh, did themselves... Um, uh, proudly. Uh, people writing into me about uh, how much they like Ron Eldred, who was just in here. That's great. Um, in doing interviews, generally, no one is worse than the actors. Like, you, like, the screenwriter has thought about it, the directors have thought about it, but if there's any people that I get depressed by how disassociated that they are, it's normally actors. But you could tell sitting in here why Ron Elder is is a great actor and he is he's he's actually one of those guys I mean obviously he's had a better career than you or any of the people we grew up with you know what I mean <laughs> so you can't but in terms of like he when he was bringing up the name from sleepers there's some really big cats in there some people who are like household names and even though he's known and does great, he's probably not a household name on that. But he's a great actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, film, TV, uh, and of course, uh, Broadway, you name it, the guy's done. And you can tell sitting in here why he's great. Not just good, but you can see how he thinks about the story, yeah. connects to the story. There's a lot of people, and I don't even want to mention who they are. Okay. That, and when actors come in, a lot of times they are what. Because I can't think of another word. I'm just going to call stupid. <laughs> but I don't mean it that way. Yeah. But I mean, they like not thinking is part of what they decide to do. Yeah. And they'll say, well, I play a tall person in this film. Or it's great, I got to drive a boat. And I'm like, okay. Ship up around me. That's good. Um, not a lot I can do. You know, mm -hmm. I can't fucking, you know. I know what they said about Ric Flair. He could fucking do an hour in the ring with a broom, and everybody would think it was a great match. I don't know over. if I can interview a broom for an hour. I'll try. Yeah. I'll hey. try, but you got to sometimes give back. Ron Elder's no broom. That's for damn sure. That's what we learned today. I, don't, I guess you're right about that. I wouldn't have even said that as my blurb that I hope to give them for a roadie, but I wouldn't mind putting in there... He's no broom. So uh, a very weird uh, deal goes along. When, uh, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit oh. for you here. So, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you try to set up these interviews, and you, you want to give back and, and do a little research into the people's careers. So at the last second, and I'm not kidding when I say second, the last second they said you also have the director and writer. Now, I would have loved to have known that before. You don't always find that out. Great. But then immediately they put up, you have as long as you want to have with these guys. Um, I know Fezzi is having a bad day today, so I thought, well, this is fun. These guys are great guys. They're smart guys. They're fun guys. Yeah. We're talking about their film, but we're also talking about the city and Long Island and... I start to get this crazy shit up. We have to, they have to leave. Wrap it up, wrap it up. I'm like, for a second, this place is fucking bizarre. 
But then I realized, not everybody knows. You know, why should they know what it fucking takes? I look over at you, Chris, and I saw that it looked like, what were you doing? Was it Jenga? Is that the game that you were playing over there? Well, yeah, I don't know all the names of games. Strategy game where you have to pull out the blocks. and. I don't know how that works. Time. I don't have a lot of it. Um, here's our buddy, Tony in Brooklyn. Hey, Tony, you're on the Ron Fed Show. Hey, Ronnie, I just wanted to say great job. Ron Eldred was uh, really engaging, unbelievable. I also, I caught the uh, Jennifer Hutt uh, segment last week, and I loved it. Being on Long Island, the Billy Joel thing was great. So She is another person. Here she is from Long Island, and only wants to tell you the number of people from Long Island who made it off of Long Island. <laughs> That's true. Hey, uh, I got a uh, recommendation for Hicks. Yes. Hicks. Check out Elton John's Funeral for a Friend. That is a rocking tune that you oh, will absolutely I love. I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Isn't suggest And what part rocks, Tony? Where it kicks into yeah. another song, Love Lies Bleeding? Because it's yeah, like a funeral dirge. You're telling yeah, me that a funeral it, dirge rocks. Well, uh, when that ki- guitar kicks in, it's unbelievable. Just give me the so. wind. All right. Check it out. Okay, so uh, Elton, uh, of course... Uh, is somebody uh, is another one for Hicks that uh, there's a lot of people you don't like. Never really got uh, Elton. Never really got Van Halen. I know a lot of people just like worship him. Never got. Never understood. Well, what was it. your big? Pro- you don't think Eddie Van Halen, Halen is a fine guitar player? I guess it's technically good, but I never got the the sound of Van Halen. I never well, really. Tell me, uh, uh, this it is just an interesting. Way they start in late seventies, I guess. Yeah, like a seventy eight thing. Yeah, like a seventy eight. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was thought of as. If Jesus had a baby that played guitar, it would have been Eddie. Wow. That's, I believe, uh, would be the bio I would write. But, so, to you, the band sounds like... Like, just a generic 80s band. Like, mm. it just sounds like the 80s, but the really popular stuff from the 80s. I, I, just, I just never really understood so the sound. So, what Eddie Trunk has dedicated his life to. Yes. This metal thing. Love Eddie Trunk. Uh, I know you love him. Who doesn't? But you think that his music, the music that he adores yeah. and loves so much, oh. shite. I'm n- never, not really a huge fan of it. I listen. I sometimes listen. He's here on Monday nights, and I'll hang out maybe sometimes and check it out. And just, you know, 80, 80s band after 80s band. Mm-hmm. Don't get so it. So tell me again, thing. there's not one Van Halen song that you think, well, this stuff is great. No, not one. No, I never, I never, I never ever got them. It just, it seems ridiculous to me. These guys look crazy. Um, all right, they might look like wrestlers, like uh, it's the Rockers. Yeah, well, but let's be honest here: the Rockers were trying to look like Van Halen. Van Halen weren't trying to look like the Rockers. Oh shit! All right. Now I get it. You know, it's a Southern California scene, but um, I just, uh, I want to hear from anyone. Who uh, can give Hicks one Van Halen song that he could have to say to himself, "This is good." Eight six six run zero fez, eight six six run zero fez. And plus, the David Lee Roth, his after coming out of his solo career, really confused me even more as a child. I guess I was very young. I was like, "Geez, this is." It, it reflected bad on Van Halen. Uh, no, I get that, but again, you need to go back and look at the early Van Halen, mm-hmm. classic Van Halen. <laughs> You can't blame, you know, fucking Eddie on just a gigolo. I get it, all right. You had, nothing, you had no part of that? No. Um, Was it consulted? No, <laughs> the, the, the band broke up. 
but you know, I get, we've talked about this so many times before. Like, if someone does something later in their career, does that take away from what they've done early on? Is this actually HTG Online One? HTG? Hey, Ronnie. All right, I didn't know this was you because I know she didn't use the hotline. You used the uh, uh, just a regular line. How are you today? I'm great. I have no idea what that hotline number is, but uh, you know what? Now I just uh, I'm becoming aware of this. I don't either. One day I wanted to call O and A, and I didn't know their number, so I called called the regular number, and their their screener didn't believe me. Oh come on! Yeah, the fuck! Don't hang up on Ron. I, I know you probably up. think I'm calling to, to give Van Halen songs, but that's actually not why I called in. Oh, why is that? Then? I called in because as long as everyone's handing out uh, compliments on all the interviews that you've been doing, I want to make sure nobody glosses over that Ben E. King interview that I heard over the weekend because it was incredible. Oh, thank you very much. You know what? Uh, we only ran that over the weekend. Maybe we'll run it during the week this week. In fact, your, your whole um, Ron Bennington interview saved me in Easter traffic twice yesterday. And uh, between the soul music and the great conversation, absolutely saved my life. Well, that's very, very kind of you to say. Normally, you only call to complain. Yeah. So to Finally. Uh, get this call, I am... Um, Took you long enough. Thanks. Well, I only have the complaint hotline. I don't have the other hotline. Yeah, well, all right. So this is... No, well, all right. Well, this is a nice thing that you're saying. But you know what? I'm glad that you called me with this. And I I will... Um, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna replay the, the Benny King this week. That's great. I definitely would love to hear it again. All right. Thanks so much, HTG. You're and welcome. You don't have one Van Halen song for him? Yeah, I'm going to give, uh, I'll give you two, Running with the Devil, I'll give you three, Running with the Devil, Unchained, and Little Dreamer, three of my favorites. All right, so, so we're going to, do, we'll, we'll take uh, three right off the uh, bat here. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks so much, HTJ. Let's go over to Steve, Steve on line six. Steve. Hey, how you guys doing today? Yeah. I got, uh, you really got me, Van Halen. All right, now this, of course, when they covered the Kinks song. You're familiar with yeah, the Kinks song? Yes, of course. Yeah. All right, so this Great became, song. this is the reason, this song, I think, is the reason that the band got signed, because they're going, well, wait a minute, who is this skinny little kid? Who, let's just wait for the cue, and then we'll be able to listen to the way it, it comes in. Um... Take it to the beginning. And, Hicks, I just want you to... Why are you loving this so much? Because it's a bad day at Black Rock? There's no fucking reason to <laughs> rush it. There's, there's no, no reason to rush it. I just want to be over to the world of Van Halen. I huh? know, but this is your chance. I want you to listen. You're treating Van, Eddie Van Halen as if he's... A joke. A joke, like like you got away with your Billy Joel. And I know your little Brooklyn hipster friends all tapped you on the back like, yeah, fuck yeah. Good work, Chris. Yeah. All right, but let's see. All right, just take a listen and tell me if you hate it. Just all take right. a listen.
So, no. Uh, let's bring this down. So, in the guitar yourself, he takes this great song. Can we at least agree it's oh, a great song? It's a great song. The King's of the Shit. It's a great and song. And goes in a whole nother place with it. No, means like, nothing to you. No, I like the King's version better. I, there's no reason to fucking 80s this thing up or late 70s it up. Is this, there's no need for these guitars on this. Then that's funny. Why did fucking Ray Davies uh, think it was so great? Well, I don't I know what Ray Davies. I don't have to agree with Ray Davies about everything. Well, he's the person who wrote the song that you now find is your mortal beloved. That's right. Um, all right, let's go over to Jack. Jack, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. How about everybody wants some? All right, let's. Uh, now, why is this funny? This is right fucking name for song. Yes, everybody <laughs> wants some. Dave wants some too. <laughs> What's so wrong with that? Nothing, What's so odd about it? Nothing's odd. It's just, yeah. you know, silly. Yeah. Let's let's go. Let's take a listen. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, it's a little monkey. It's the monkey stuff. It's a fucked up era. <laughs> hey, this makes sense. Let me just say something. Not one band you ever loved could fill arena. One arena. They don't need to fill it. Let alone do a tour of it. Good, I prefer the small clubs. Well, you have, it doesn't matter whether you prefer or not. You don't have a choice. All right, some fucking feedback. Yeah, we're taking our time getting All started. Right. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Maybe you're not moved. Maybe you're, uh, you're not moved by this at all. Mm-mm. Well, maybe when it kicks in. Help me rock a little bit. Don't understand. Don't the understand sounds that you were hearing coming out of this guitar, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did not exist before Eddie did it to the guitar. He played the no, guitar no. differently than anyone had played before. Okay. He's perhaps uh, if you were to come up with the most influential guitar players of all time, he'd have to be top three. Okay. He'd have to be there. Because the way people played the guitar before him Jeez. and after him, completely different. Thanks, I think. You're a ball buster, seriously. Just do me a favor, play the song. All right, well, let's, let's just try to play the song Little Guitars. I just right. want you to hear the fucking guy play. All right, okay. If, if, you, if you hate it, you hate it. There's not a lot I can do about that. Tear it up, come on. But I mean, I just feel like you come in with a chip on your shoulder. That's all. What? Me? No. Come on. I'm open to all things. Yes, go ahead and play it. None of this means anything to you. Not a goddamn thing. I don't know is what this, I can wait, do. Is this like Sam, Sam, what's the Hagar version, right? There's a Hagar version. Was there? Was that part of the hits, or is that after? Like Van Hagar, right? There's like four different singers for this fucking band, right? 
the Grateful Dead that you love so much oh, has no, had a lot I, of different I people. Know, I know. I'm not saying I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I get confused with the Dave hours. and Eddie had a very bad falling out. Uh, yeah, okay. Then Eddie and Sammy was uh, hooked up. And actually became, you know, I mean, for me, it's not what I call the cl- classic Van Halen lineup, yeah. but they had even bigger hits during crazy. the 80s. That's crazy. Uh, then Eddie and Sammy had a falling out. So Eddie, of course, uh, grabbed the guy who sang more than words. I can't think of his name. <laughs> I think it's Gary Sharon. <laughs> All right. That. Grassman Straws. Yeah. Well, that's basically what the audience felt, too. <laughs> and now he's back with, with Dave. Oh, good. Get that uh, fucking cash those checks. But the, the sounds that he makes because it mean nothing to you. No, right? it's uh, maybe because I wasn't there when it first happened. That it, it just does. It just but you're everything, human everything being. came after it. Just fucking uh, diluted this. Uh, Joe, you're on running fizz. Yeah, all right. Let me hear eruption, dude. All right, let's put on eruption. So, right. and this is just about the guitar. Okay. It's just about the guitar. I'm listening. Why are you laughing? At the name I'm of listen- it? Yeah, eruption. What you don't understand is it's erupting out of the guitar. <laughs> oh. That's what you don't get. Hank. The sounds. The rock. How about our hearts? How about a, a nation's collective heart? <laughs> okay, is erupting like and through that guitar. All right. Oh. Listen to this. Is this the Wild Stallions? Why is this funny to you? It goes back into it, alright. It sounds like video game music. Like this is like fucking a boss battle of some sort. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's going to be like, a, like an 80s version of Dracula on Broadway or something. That's what this music should be in. I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it kind of sounds like a gothic something or other. Well, he's some kind of fucking German or Holland or some bullshit, so he's sense. not like you. Good. He didn't grow up in fucking Queens like you and Rana uh, Elder. A-Town. What's up, Elder? By the way, he couldn't stand you. Oh, come on. Why not? Because you hate fucking this music. Really? That he beloves. That's okay. I thought maybe I would have more beef with the director right, and writer. So, I, I want to... I, I See, here's... I'm glad to... Because, you know, when you were doing your whole... Oh, David Lee Roth and the way they dress... Uh, I get it. But to sit down and act like Eddie has no talent... Th- this isn't fucking debatable. No, I just said he was showing off. That All was right, so you're putting up a sexy picture of David Lee Roth to make fun of me. <laughs> I can't, I can't fucking battle that. I can't fucking battle that. Dreamy eyes. I fucking totally get that. I know, I know. All right. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying there isn't something fucking silly about him. It's a little silly. It's okay. That's badass. 
But, I mean, if you don't enjoy the electric guitar, there's nothing I can say to you. I enjoy electric guitar. Just no, you obviously Han- don't. Not Van Halen style. Not Who's Van someone Halen. that you enjoy on guitar? Pixies, Joey Santiago is fucking right, going Here's on what I want you to do. I was, I'll do it right now. I want you to fucking get us an interview with Joey. Okay. Whether you've got a, whether it's a phone or not. Mm-hmm. And I won't. I promise you, I won't look into this at all. Okay. And if your guitar hero, mm-hmm. fucking does not sit down and say that Eddie Van Halen is a great guitar hero, I'll be fucking shocked. Okay. All right. If this cocksucker runs down Eddie. Seriously, I'll be fucking stunned. All right, I'm gonna look into it. I'll try. I'll try to get him on here. But for me, it, for me, I Ron Elder come in here today. Yeah, I didn't have to guess whether the guy likes Brando or not. I fucking know he does. Mm-hmm. It would be fucking stupid for me to go. Hey, what do you think of Brando? <laughs> think he was good actor. That's how I would fucking feel saying to Joey. Look, I'm gonna give you one fucking question. <laughs> Could Eddie Van Halen? Play the guitar, and is it worth the price of admission? Because I haven't run in to a human being before you who has anything this bad to say about this guy's guitar play. I wouldn't pay to see him. Or call it the Rockers from the WWE or Wild Stallion. It's a, that fucking song sounded like a goddamn Wild Stallion. Because riff. Wild Stallion was pretending they were fucking Van Halen. Oh. Because it was considered the fucking heights that somebody could go as a guitar player. That's what I'm trying to fucking tell you. Okay. Just saying. I don't get it. I understand he's a talent. He is a talent. Oh, I know that you don't get it, but that's out of ignorance. Mm-mm. Not for any other reason. I get it. I understand that. No, it's personal preference. It's like if I went down and I fell down on the Amazon and went as far fucking deep inside. I found some of those people with fucking, you know, uh, plates in their lips. Nice. One of them might be saying No. Uh, something can't fly. A man can't fly. I would get. That's all they know. They would make it, it's ignorance. Mm. Don't like the Van Halen. Um, take her to leave. Bob, Bob, you're on run a fez. You can't even take it. You won't, you just yeah. leave it. Yeah, it's true. Okay, Bob, yeah. you're on run a fez. The ladder. Bob. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's. Yeah. You're a big fan of Jack White. Mm-hmm. Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen was playing those riffs before Jack White was fucking born, and he was doing it with half a fucking tongue. <laughs> okay. Well, I enjoy fucking Jack White's fucking music better than Van Halen's. What, 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 what else can I say? Uh, let's do this. Okay. If we ask Jack White. All right. So I'm booking Joey Santiago and Jack White if I can. Together. And Tog- tell him whatever together? reason you have to get here, and then I am going to lock the fucking doors, and I'm going to have these two guitar gods, as you call them. Yeah. Fucking say something about Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, and I I'm willing to bet we're not going to hear a disparaging remark. All right, I'll I'll try to get him. I'll try to get him. You know, don't try. Do all right. I I'm will tired get him. Of he- I will the get tries him. I will get him. Sometime in the future, they, they will I want him within three days. <laughs> oh, I want both of them here. All right, and I want Meg here. Fuck, to sit on my lap. It has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with what we're talking Let's about. Let's ask her about drumming. Give her a stare. No. There is a cynicism in you uh-huh. that runs so fucking deep and really? it's so dark and heartless. And I'm not the only one who sees it. 
Okay. Your buddies from a high society are sickened by it as well. All right. Fine. Let's let's just let the sickness out. And I don't know what it is. I don't know whether what kind of fucking strike back this is. Strike back. You know. I don't know what this is supposed to be uh, with you. John, John, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah. Hey, uh, Hicks. I do understand what you mean about Van Halen there for a long time. They did have a certain sound, but yes, it worked. It worked for them. They enjoyed yeah. it. The people enjoyed it. But also, you have to remember, there are some songs, especially now in the 90s and the 2000s, like, say, off the balance album, the song Feelings. I mean, I'm a guitar player. That's one of the hardest guitar solos I've ever attempted. And it's Eddie Van Halen at his finest, but it's not the same sound. So you really got to, you know, reach out there and listen to some of the, the newer albums and things like that are humans being. I mean, it doesn't have the greatest guitar solo in it, but if you try to play every lick that just comes natural to Eddie, I mean, it's nearly impossible to do. And I've been playing for 21 years. All right. See, this is the thing that Hicks doesn't get from his fucking Astoria Queen's throne, that somehow he sits... Above and over everything in rock and roll. Fourth floor, baby. And you know, the guys from Roadie were in here today, and Blueish the Cult means something to them. BLC. I get it. It means something to them. Um, they ain't trying those fucking guitar solos, right. though. This is. Uh, I just, Michael Stevens has written. Michael in, in Baton Rouge just wrote to me. Okay. He said, What Chris isn't getting. Mm. I think is that Eddie popped out with a ready-made guitar god sound, instantly recognizable, influencing every rock player since from Randy Rhodes on. Neutral Milk Hotel didn't influence any guitar players I know, or myself. Now, there's one album. It, now I want you to, but here's the fucking point. And, I, and that's why I wanted to play that fucking King song. Mm -hmm. To fucking show you, this kid popped out. No one had heard of him before. But when he started playing, everyone was like, what the fuck is he playing? Before that, everybody was either trying to play like Jimmy Page or uh, Clapton mm -hmm. or Hendrix. And we were like, well, all the great guitar players have come and this is it. And now we'll just, this will be like... But Eddie was like, started a whole fucking scene. Um, do you have to give him fucking credit for that? I don't know. The scene kind of blew. To me. My opinion. Because it's all about Joey Santiago and the Pixies for you. And Jack White. And Jack White. Uh, Greg, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, boy. Tex. Yo. Fat, drunk, and stupid. No way to go through life, son. Hey, I went to high school with Joey. 1983, Long Meadow, Massachusetts. He went on to UMass. I never even knew he played guitar, but I can tell you one thing. Van Halen fucking ruled the hallways of that school. Over and out. It was like 83. Of course it did. But what he's saying is that they would have influenced your fucking hero. He would I'll, have had influence I'm on gonna him. I'm going to try. I'm gonna, no, I am going to get him on the phone and we'll ask him. We'll see. We'll get to I, the bottom of this. I love the Pixies, but if you fucking set this prick up to come in here and start fucking bad-mouthing Eddie Van Halen. I'll set the booking up. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> There's something that's fucking changed about you. What? Because I'm shitting on Van Halen? Eddie in particular. 
I noticed that you're not even fucking bashing Dave. All right. Well, Dave, come on. He, how long? How long into the run did he leave? Three or four uh, years or something. I don't know. It was like seven, six or seven. Like seventy-eight, and then he was out in what eighty-four. Well, I brought up it's what I, the Gigolo thing. That has bad nothing to do with it. That has nothing. They weren't with him. I thought they were when I was younger. And that well, then you're fucking wrong. But that just the Gigolo was also a very big MTV or Dave. TV, TV, as we TV. called it for a little while, hit. <laughs> now, I see a ton of people are calling with songs. I see now, I, I don't know what we can do to influence. I don't know why. I, I, mean, I mean, obviously, he has got his fucking heels dug in, and there's no uh, getting around it. Uh, people are really angry about some of the things that you're saying, too. Like, why? Um, How could you be angry at me? Because you're bringing up that it's video game music, right? Yeah. It's fucking video game music, Hicks, yeah. because Eddie fucking played it, so the video game said this is what music is. <sighs> Crazy. I mean, it's like fucking blaming the Beatles on Herman's Hermits. Like, oh, you're just doing that Herman's Hermits sound. Wait Doesn't fucking make sense. Listen. Yeah, I am fucking listening. I'm listening. But, I mean, for me, it's like hearing someone say, Joe Montana blows. All right, you might have, you might have hated the fucking 49ers, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that he fucking blows. No, man, You I mean, hate shit. Van Halen. Yeah, I hate What Van it Halen. represents, the Southern California scene. Yeah, I hate it. Blonde, attractive people yeah. who take care of themselves and rock in a way that isn't self-hating. Listen, stare at the ground when you rock. Yeah, you have... Don't jump around. You're coming from a whole sunglasses at Fuck. night. Dark fucking thing. Yeah. So what? I hate it. I hate them, and I'm glad... Well, actually, they're back together. I was about to say, I'm glad they broke up. <laughs> Not only are they back together, Hicks, but they're older than ever. And that's the fucking thing that's working out there. Great. Nick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Hmm. Um, I agree with Hicks, man. I mean, I know a lot of people like them. Obviously, they're a fucking huge band, but just because something is different doesn't automatically make it fucking great. Like, doesn't doesn't mean anything. If nobody did it before, yeah, it's innovative, but it could still be shit. So you're saying it's just innovative shit? <laughs> to, to me, <laughs> I'd rather listen to fucking Jack White all day like Hicks, but... Well, why don't you guys get a fucking small circles jerk going, the two of you, and at the fucking end of it, seriously, seriously, at the I end of it, I would love to. I would see. That's well, where thanks, it fucking buddy. comes. That's where this fucking darkness leads. I agree with you, but I'm not going to jerk off in front of you. Um, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. He'll jerk you off, you fucking idiot. You're not open to anything. There it is. Look who he's in. Where are we at in the show? Twelve thirty-five. Twelve thirty-five. The jerk-off thing got him. I, I almost did the gay line to see if he would jump in, yeah. but I thought I'd leave it at the jerk-off line. All right. Uh, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm the same age as Hicks, and, like, Ben Allen, like, he was before my time and shit, too, but uh, I wasn't really into the band either, but when you listen to him fucking play, you have to acknowledge that he just shreds, man. He's incredible. How do you, how do you not say that? How do you not say that, Hicks? He's a show-off. I don't need that shit in my rock. Fuck uh, Van Halen. Um, I hope Alex comes in here and beats you up for his brother. And beats you up for your fucking sins. 
Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. How's it going? Uh, I just wanted to agree with Pepper. I actually hate Van Halen. I think they suck. But there is one song that I like, which is Panama. I can't hate on that one for some reason. All right, let's uh, listen a little bit of Panama and see if this is the thing that clicks uh, Hicks in for this. And Hicks, uh, do me a favor. Yeah. Reach down between your legs and, okay. and pull your seat back. All right, <laughs> let's get this started. In Panama. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, it sounds like a like a fucking spring break type song. Down the beach. What's wrong with spring break? Nothing's wrong with spring breaks. Got buddies got keg on the beach, rocking out to Panama. You're thinking of the suntan lotion. to take the fuck off, bitch. All right. Hold on. Strap in. I'll wait for strap it. Strap in. Strap. Yeah, rock. 
ending. You know, um, Hard out. L- let me just tell you this. Yes. Before Eddie Van Halen, people would use the entire guitar. But he would just be right up here. I don't, uh-huh. like, it's like if you killed a buffalo and just cut the tongue out, that's where he was. He didn't need the whole fucking thing. All right, he just fucking wanted to be in one place. Yeah, that's why he could have a little guitar. The tiniest guitar in the world if he needed it. Um, By the way, uh, Ray in Pittsburgh wanted to call in about, uh, well, he wrote in about the Ron Bennington interviews Mm -hmm. and wanted to say how much he enjoys your tight production. Oh, thank you very much. And can I also say this? Yes. You do a fantastic job on that interview show. I just want to make it sound as good as possible. Now, I didn't listen to the Benny King, but I heard... uh, HTG uh, call in and say such nice things about it. That was one of my favorite people ever meeting. He was really great. He was awesome. That proves that like, you can get something good to happen to you and not turn into a dick. <laughs> He's um, still hanging out in Jersey. He's fucking living it up. Now you, on the other hand, proves that bad things can happen to you and you can still turn into a dick. Yep. <laughs> I took it that direction. <laughs> um, Blowhard wants to talk to you, too. Oh, great. Uh, go ahead. First of all, thanks for mentioning um, earlier in your interview the uh, Good Rats. Oh, yeah, it was fucking little... crazy that that came up. I was shocked that it even happened. I used to go see the Good Rats play all the time at a club called Speaks out on Long Island, and they're one of the greatest bands that never really made it. It's so true. And if you ever get a chance to get any of their music, listen to it. It's, it's still good to this day. Now, Hicks. Yes, Bullhard. Great. You like Frank Zappa? Yeah, Frank Zappa's good. Frank Zappa said one time, the late, great Frank Zappa, that... Eddie Van Halen reinvented the guitar. Okay. Good line, I'm so impressed Blowhard. with him. Now, Frank Zappa has praise for you. The great Frank Zappa. You can't go wrong. Uh, uh, you know, the band itself, when you watch them live, David Lee sort of acts like a horse's ass on stage. No. But you cannot knock Eddie. And the song that I would want you to listen to, a song that I love, is called Mean Streets. Uh, we're going to put that on. All right, guys. And see if maybe this isn't the song. Maybe it can turn me. That turns around. If it's not Frank Zappa, perhaps it'll be Main Streets. Listen to this. feeling now how we fucking feeling now wild stallions rule baby Uh, wild stallions rule where's fucking george carlin the time machine there's some fucking robots in the future whatever happens i take this down you know what maybe i don't even want you to fucking hear eddie maybe you don't even deserve deserve sean jersey you're on run a fez hey what's going on buddies um i guess it's an ichiban paul reiser ichiban Oh, I know where you're going with this one. I just saw on AV Club's Twitter after two uh, episodes and record low ratings and hatred of the show, the Paul Reiser show is canceled after two episodes on NBC. Yeah, I uh, 
send some stuff out to the guys. Uh, never got a response from either one of them, but saying, well, I guess we won't have to worry about bothering his publicist anymore. Uh, I guess he doesn't have to hear any of that fucking uh, nonsense coming his way. He can relax. I thought that, um, you know, Paul was a very nice guy, mm-hmm. but obviously this uh, show uh, wasn't going to go his way. I was going to text that to Ope as soon as it came up, because when, when Opie uh, got him after us, he's like, hey, what would you think of the show? I go, don't even watch it. If you want to do a good interview with him, mm-hmm. you know, try not to watch it, because yeah. you don't want to come in with that prejudice of this last show. Oh. But he's a very nice guy, and I was very upset that I said the word retarded in front of him. Come, it's okay. It happens. Yeah, but I didn't know. Oh. I didn't know. I think... Uh, Jay Moore is the one who told me. Oh, no. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron Fez Show. Uh, Brian's got a question for Hicks. Oh, Pepper. Yeah, Brian. Billy Joel or Van Halen every day for the rest of your life. What are you going to do? Oh. And it's stuck. You got fucking headphones that have been surgically inserted into your fucking ear canal. Oh, God. Uh, give me uh, Van Halen. Over Billy Joel every day for the rest of my life. The Billy Joel is just too theatrical for me. Yes, there's nothing theatrical about David Lee Roth. Uh, rock star in Detroit, Irwin Fez. Rock star going once, twice. Too bad, because I think he was an actual rock star. Fuck. Hey, freak, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Pepper, you're driving me up the fucking wall. Why, today. freak dog? Because, dude, what's wrong with a scene that was all about pussy, whiskey, and coke? It should be right up your alley. The Pixies brought Nirvana, which became, like, pill-downer culture, and we've never really recovered from it. I like both those cultures. Isn't that the odd thing? There's nothing wrong with either of those Both of those fucking cultures seem like they're fun to me. (laughs) Mix them, fucking have everything. Um, Did you ever see a movie called Heavy Metal Parking Lot? Yeah, I've seen Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is seriously one of the greatest documentaries of all time. It's awesome. And the stupidity that was around in an early 80s fucking metal parking lot. I'm trying to remember what band they were to see. Do you remember? Uh, I'm looking up right now. Yeah, I think it started with an S. Maybe like Scorpion or something. Hold on. Was it the Scorpions? It might have been the the best fucking teen movie ever. <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. This, this, it's a brilliant idea. Just go through that shit. Judas Priest. Sorry, Judas Priest. Uh, Matt, you're on the Run Fez show. Ronnie, I'm about the same age as Hicks, and uh, the first time I saw and heard the video for Hot for Teacher was the first time I realized that my penis had a mind of its own, and I got my first hard boner. I feel like Hicks just hates him just to hate him. I hate fish, Hicks, but I understand that Tranastagio is a great guitar player. Oh, he's nasty. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. God bless you, Fetty. Okay, I'll smoke whatever. Does, since we were talking about good rats, does he play it tasty? Does he play it tasty like the good rats? I'm surprised now that this has come up that ONA never did anything with the good rats. I don't know whether there was a personal thing, but out of all the road shows that they did when they were at NEW, I would have thought, uh, you know, Brother Joe would have been in with those guys. So they're like the crazy, like just huge local band that fucking never go away. Or yeah. Ne- I mean, we're, I think maybe even started in the late 60s. Jesus. That's and those weird. guys had to fucking, you know. Hey, they were a tri-state band, dude. When I called them a Long Island band, I was like, all right. 
I don't want to fucking, you know... Got gigs in Jersey. I don't want to get that fucking Long Island neck up like it's always ready to go. Oh, always. No time. Drop a hat. It's Easy, on. boys. It's on. Easy, boys. But yeah, that's really... Um, that's really fucking funny. That... Um, that ONA probably should have done something with them back at the NEW days. Uh, Kurt, Kurt, you're on a fizz. Hey, I think you're uh, taking this approach with Hicks the wrong way. It's clear that he's not into hard rock and heavy metal, so why don't you start him off light and uh, play Beat It by Michael Jackson. Oh, well, that's a good one. No, and that should, uh, no, that should just, ease him into Van Halen. No, you're just trying to fucking set him up. No, I'm not going to do it. Alan, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie P., I know why Hicks doesn't like him. I know exactly why. Why? Because he's a fucking pussy, and pussies don't like Good him. one, <laughs> shit, fuck. <laughs> Asshole, motherfucker, go to hell. <laughs> fuck you. Laugh it up. Fuck off. Shut up. Oh, come back and shut up again, motherfucker. I'll fuck your wife in her ass, you shithead right. motherfucker. Go to fucking hell. Hicks. Are you this angry because there's a little bit of truth to what he said here? Oh, no. I mean, do you feel... I have a fucking boiling fucking plate of anger underneath me that doesn't think anything can set me off at any fucking time. And just that's just coincidental. Now, here's what I think that you're... This reminds me of Back to the Future yeah. when Michael J. Fox gets called chicken. <laughs> that's how you are with the word pussy. Now, the reason why Michael J. Fox was like that... Because he was a little chicken. No, he wasn't. But you might be worried when that word comes up that you're a little bit pussy. Mm -mm. And that's where this, oh, I hate fucking Van Halen thing comes from. <laughs> How does that tie into it? Maybe you have to go back psychologically. in Psychologically. It back fucking in ties in psychologically. <laughs> okay. Everything's connected. One point what, or another. Why are you going to fucking yell that out like it's not true? <laughs> it is. You okay now? You had a fucking meltdown here. One of many. You know, Fez isn't having his best day today. I, know, I apologize. Either. I mean, he got off a couple of lines, but the fact is this, Hicks. Yeah. I know you didn't ask for greatness, but now greatness is being thrust upon you. All right? And I'll tell you something. What you just did with that caller? Uh-huh. That was arrogant radio. Arrogant. That's an arrogance of seeing yourself above your callers. They're not my I callers. see I see talk radio as a service fucking related industry. That's why you hear me say, Ron and Fez show, how may I serve you today? That's why <laughs> I I look at us just running a little store. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as a little store of fun and interest. And um and when people come in, yeah. how may I help you? Mm -hmm. Can I get something for you? Okay. Would you like to talk about Van Halen for a while? Oh, no. But I don't. Seriously, yeah. I see it as bad customer service. Scream at someone and this and and to threaten what I would say was a uh, a kind of anal sex that would take place without a loop. That's bad. Without a gentle loop. That's not. That's what we're trying to do. All right. And I mean, seriously, there is a kind of anal sex that you could do for a girl where you're like, I'm just going to put the head in and leave it for a while. Just the head in and leave uh -huh. it. Let you work, feel comfortable with that. Yeah. And then slowly. Slowly, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna pour oil all over. Don't worry about the sheets. I'm gonna fucking take care of that later. Yeah. But not a a fucking dry thrust mm. that you apparently wanted to do to his wife. Yes, his wife. That's bad radio. Oh, that's Apologize. what you're not understanding. Apologize. 
to you? No, it's not to me. It's not to me. By the way, uh, I just want to point out to a guy. Um, he runs by the name of Joey Gladstones. Please stop filling up the fucking mailbox with every fucking thought that you have. <sighs> Limit yourself to perhaps one, maybe even two emails per show. Okay. But when I look over and, and, and everything's written in the fucking subject heading, Sean Grimm. Um, and we might, and he wants you to book his friend on the show. But to say it over and over is to make me like... No, now I want to keep your friend off the show. <laughs> That's you what You know happens. what I mean? And not yeah. for any fucking reason. No need Other than bad radio, like Hicks is doing. Oh, what? I'm just... Well, I, I got some magic fucking marker on myself. How do I get this off, Hicks? Uh, is there like soap? a special fucking wonderful thing that gets marker off people? Because I feel like I get a fucking... Here. Yeah. Let's get that going. Here, here's some tissues. All right, good. Now we spread it around. But I feel like I got a fucking prison tattoo. And I hate... Look at these things. Now, you know the kind of pens I like, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the fucking pens that are in front of me every day. Oh, uh, There's none of... What, what am I going to do? There's a pen shortage. There, but whatever happened to, like, beautiful, great pens that have, like, a sharp little thing at the end of it? Even my pens. I don't like your pens. to the left. Yeah, I like... But a marker? Uh, I'm sorry. Sharpie. What am I... Uh, I got to get... No, leave no. those markers down because that's... Those markers are trouble, and I never those want to see them again. Are getting thrown the fuck out of here? Fuck they're, those they're still markers. Mark, there's still oh, marks God. on me. There's still marks on me, and I feel like if I don't get it off now, it's going to be in there forever. Not forever. We'll use some more of that fucking jungle juice, whatever the original stuff jungle was. Jungle juice. It's very well. Up. I still see just the, the smallest marks. It's driving me crazy. Oh God. Because what if that gets in underneath? No. Was there a reason that uh, we stopped using that stuff? Because that's the only stuff that worked for me. I, I've sent runners to get some soap. To I don't want soap, no. Forget okay. soap. What I do want is to never see those markers again. Gone. Done. I see that you no finally more. got away, did away with the beanie cup. No more. After no a more. fucking full year that I haven't used it. Well, you know. Uh, and now there's a cowbell that says Eastside Dave, uh, Eastside Dave sucks at life. Um, ESD. But let's get back to what we were originally talking about. Okay, Van uh, Halen? You, no, forget Van Halen. Van Hagar? You, no. Obviously, I'm, I've never even called him Van Hagar. But I will say this. Mm. I did take some listeners backstage to meet them. Oh, cool. At a Monsters of Rock show All in right. the late 80s. And Sammy Hagar was completely uh, gracious to each one of our 20-some uh Listeners, as were the rest of the boys. Cool. All right. It's good to hear. They headlined a show called Monsters of Rock mm -hmm. in a stadium. Scary. Unlike any show you go to, because obviously every band that you put together could not fill up a fucking stadium. Don't need to. I don't care. Because your bands are so cool that they break up during the first song. <laughs> They're like, we're walking. This song is starting to have a hook, so I don't want to get popular. I'm going to leave now. Artistic differences. But no, let's go back to the other thing. Yeah. And that's doing a radio show mm -hmm. that you see yourself as in service to the listeners and in service to the callers. Yeah. All right? Uh-huh. Guess. And take it down and stop making it about you and your incredibly dark but ferocious ego. All right? Ego. No, no, not there. I'm just so getting attacked. 
Uh, Matt, uh, you're on the Run and Fest show. How may I serve you? Hi, Mr. B. How are you today? Great. What can we do for you, Matt? Well, I just wanted to say, uh, getting back to the Van Halen thing, I think the guy, he's obviously a great player, but I think he's hes overrated. You're fucking overrated, Matt. You're fucking overrated. That's who the goddamn overrated person is, you disgusting fuck. Wow. How do you fucking live with yourself knowing that you are shit that eats shit? How do you fucking live with yourself? John, you're on the Ron and Fez show. How may I serve you? Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Bennington. Yes. Um, you know, we've always thought that Fezzy was the crazy one. But after that outburst, I think that that soulless prick, Chris Stanley, is the crazy one. Fuck you for calling me. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Where is your service? Thank you. Call again. That's good. That's good. I like it. It hurts. I like it. Melvin, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Whoops, let's try again. Go ahead, Melvin. Van Halen. Uh, did, are you aware that uh, he designs his own guitars and the electronics and the paint schemes? Any, anybody that you listen to do that? You talking to me? Yeah, Yes, do you know anyone else who designs guitars? No, I don't know anyone who fucking designs guitars. And no. I could care fucking less. Yeah. Well, guess what? Why? I just designed what? a guitar right there. Oh, Look I at that. apologize. It's then. a flying VH, and it's all got right. strings, and cool. then I've taken duct tape and wrapped it all around it. So like Rod Bennington designs guitars, motherfucker. Yeah, but I'm That's also, who I fucking know. All right. Again, service. Oh. Thank you. You can say the same things, but fucking sound better okay. saying them. All right. You can say the same things and sound better about yourself. All right. Uh, Larry in Houston, Houston, Texas. How may I help you? Hey Ron, how you yeah. doing today? I got I got two things. I got an Ichiban. Right, let me do this right off the bat. Ichiban. Yeah, they're tearing down the comedy improv today in Houston, Texas. The one off of I ten West, right outside of downtown. Now explain to people uh, some of the big acts that came out of there. Oh, everybody: hmm. Kennison, um, Hicks. Everybody, all the big people. I can't name them all. There's hundreds, hundreds. Everybody's been there. Everybody. Uh, Jimmy, Pineapple, uh, any of the Texas outlaws, uh, the Texas comedy outlaws. So here's our sense of history in this country. You have something that should be a comedy fucking shrine, and they decide to tear it down. Yeah, it's gone. I don't know if they're going to rebuild or what they're going to do, but it's gone. Yeah. The other thing is I agree with Hicks totally. Van Halen. You know yeah. what, Larry? I'm glad they're fucking tearing down that shit house, and I wish they'd take the wrecking ball and knock the rest of fucking Houston down with it. That's it. I'm going to break. Fuck this. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Ron and Fez on the virus. The ferry boat dock things. They ran it completely over. There's the people truck. swimming. The, the ducks, they're thrown off your duck. There's in, gotta be 50 people in the river. In the river, ladies. Outside, there's a boxcar waiting. Outside the family In the river, lady. It's the Ron and Fez show. Here on a, uh, I'm now being told it's a weekday. <laughs> 
uh, that's leading us off into a week off. Mm-hmm. Hicks, you got any uh, big plans for your vacation? No. Or gaycation, as you were calling it, with your friends? There's nothing gay going on here. But no, no plans whatsoever. Sleeping, probably. That's always a plus. Sleeping, is that code word for drinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or passing out. Because I like to wake up and start drinking, you know, wake up, crack a beer. That's always a great, great thing to do. Feels good to get a buzz on, like, as soon as you wake up. That's the best kind of buzz. Uh, you say, same way with uh, weed? Yeah. Yeah, you feel like you just get the highest then. Just bam, just get fucking just rip a bong when you wake up. Is it still called Wake and Bake, or is that uh, uh, over with Van Halen? Is that, is that a Van Halen silliness? No, you can call it Wake and Bake. I don't know. I want to somehow be fucking hipster cool with you. No, they'll say Wake and Bake. Um, or high in. Now, you know, we were talking about metal music. You're a fucking hero, Lady Gaga. I don't know whether you're aware of this. She worked as a roadie uh, for Iron Maiden. We should have just fucking brought that up with Ron Elder today who, when we did the uh, uh, the roadie bit uh, with them. That's true. He was among Lady Gaga. But uh, now Lady Gaga is there. She will find a new weird thing to be in the news about every single week. Every week, there's a new fake mm-hmm. story. Um, the Catholic League is ma- mad at her. She's mad because somebody was said something mean to a gay person. Uh, gay people get mad at her. Then she gets mad at people that are gay. Catholics get mad at gays, and then both of them say, I never even heard of Lady Gaga. And sometimes but, the song drops. But at no point at all uh, do you ever think, I have a Gaga-free day. <laughs> um, but there is um, now we talked about last week one of the big things with her is she wouldn't uh, let Weird Al Yankovic uh, record her song mm-hmm. he outed her to his audience I wrote this song I sent it to them why won't I hear back I heard back they don't alright I'm going to put it out for free them then she said I never heard it became a whole thing now I guess they're going to let him uh, put it out for free, but we, so we played Weird Al on Sunday night. The, we re- replayed the Unmasked. Um, very very interesting little uh, piece. A lot of people wrote in to us that he said something in the Unmasked about people not wanting um, him to record. So we got a couple pieces. I haven't, I've never heard this before. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, take a listen to the first piece. This is him talking about people that don't want him to record Hicks. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, generally I don't talk to the artist uh, directly. It's, it's usually uh, my peeps talking to their peeps. Uh-huh. So I'll have my manager contact their manager or agent or publicist or leave a message on their answering machine, and, 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 and it'll always get back to the artist. Uh, generally the only times I contact an artist directly is if, uh, everything else has failed. If uh, my manager isn't getting his phone calls returned, if there's no other avenues, uh, I will I will stock an artist. I will like, oh, they're going to be at this awards show. Maybe I'll hang out backstage and see if I can casually bump into somebody. Um, which is what, what happened with Kurt Cobain. I mean, uh, Nirvana uh, Nirvana's representatives weren't returning my manager's phone calls. So finally I had to call up Kurt Cobain while he was on the set of Saturday Night Live and ask him, you know, in, you know right then, like, if I could do the parody, and he agreed over the phone, uh, but that's that's usually not the case. Usually, it's done the correct, you know, way in the correct business model. Yeah, he uh, 
fucking can't trying to get anyone to f- let him fucking do his parodies. Um, but I would, I let me see the the sheet that you're not reading out loud here in front of us because I heard of something completely different here. Um, the 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 weird thing is that I was told that he said that he doesn't even write the song unless the artist uh, said that he could he that, that they okay it. This is it. All right, let's take a listen. And how much time does that I mean? Are you just saying to your manager, really? We're not hearing back? I've already written this. I'm already ready to go. Yeah. Because I imagine you don't start recording until you know that you have it. I don't right? even I don't even write the song until I know that they're up for really? it. What, what I, you know, I, I've, got, I've gotten burned a couple of times, so my modus operandi now is I will come up with an idea for a song. Uh, and if I have a concept that I think is strong enough that I know in my heart I can write uh, a parody for, I will tell that to my manager, and he will pitch that idea. And if if uh, if they like that concept, then I will bother writing the song. Uh, and I've, I've never ever had a, con- uh, a case where they've agreed to it in, in theory and not liked what I've come up with. That is so interesting that he has to pitch it as if they were a movie studio. He's right. pitching. <laughs> what do you think of this? <laughs> oh yeah, imagine. <laughs> All right, so there's the weird thing. He tells us. Uh, during this interview that he doesn't write the song unless they're okay with it and this is the exact opposite is what happened with this uh, Lady Gaga this is the piece that I was uh, looking for Um, yeah he had said uh, talking about Lady Gaga that um, it had become a tremendous waste of time for him writing this song alright so uh, that's that uh, let's go over here to Joe. Joe, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, uh, it's been a while. It's been about two hours. I barely heard from Fez. I just want to make sure everything's all right with him. He just jumped in here a second ago. Yeah. I'm oh, so- okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just having a, a bad day. You are? Yeah. How come? It was just, it was a bad two days. It was a bad Easter Sunday. I don't know why you don't pick up the phone and call me. I went to church twice. I spent two hours last night on the phone with my sister. So it was just uh, stuff about my dad. And Easter Sunday. And this just kept happening. All day and night. Yeah, maybe this is getting too hard for you to do. Maybe to balance what you're going through in the shows, maybe it's just too hard. It's 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 very hard. I thought uh, it's too hard. It's starting to sound like, and it's not the the best situation for everybody. Yeah, I'm sorry. I put everybody in that. And oh, we're fine. We're having a you know we're having a fun show. Uh-huh. But I mean, for you to not be able to come in here and. And do your job. Uh, it's it's got to be a difficult thing. Maybe you just need some time to go and do the things that you have to do. Because uh, I don't know why you don't call me over the weekend. I don't know why you don't check in. I always told you I'd help you. I know, and it was like I was trying to. I thought going to church would get a handle on it, and then that didn't work. And I went to a second church and. And it was just, 
It was just, it was brutal and I wasn't thinking. Mm. Um, Steve, you're on the Ron Fez show. Fuck you. That's it. That was the whole thing. Short, sweet, concise. I would love to heard more. I mean, he had me at fuck. <laughs> you know, and then you, I started to fall off a little bit, but I would, I still would have stayed with it. Keep going. I definitely would have been there. No, buddy. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Fez, what does cum taste like? How, uh, seriously, how could you do that to him today? Because he likes cum? You see, he's going through a bad thing. He had a bad Easter. This is, uh, and then, you know, they, uh, he puts it up under the term Girl Hicks, which is the new Twitter account. Personally, I think saying the name Girl Hicks is just redundant. What? No, I'm all man, baby. Then why are you calling another man baby? <laughs> I just, you know, I throw it out there sometimes. <laughs> I don't, back. I, I think it comes across as, uh, somewhat, uh, effeminate. Mm-mm. It's all man. Is it? Everybody's saying it. Yeah, but even all man is said by like gay guys, not by straight guys. Oh, really? You'll never hear a regular guy go, he's all man. <laughs> no one ever says about anyone, he's some man. He's about a quarter man. You know who I would say that about? Aquaman. Who I don't believe was 100% man. No, he had I think a big part of him was Aqua. It's half his name. I don't know. Um, fish. Let's move over uh, to the Weird Al talking about uh, Prince uh, clip four. Let's go over some of the people who did turn you down over the years. Well, I, I tell you, the only person who has consistently said no over the years uh, is, is Prince. Uh, and uh, hopefully when you have him on your show, you can ask yeah. him why, because he's never told me. Uh, and it, it's not nice to make fun of little people anyway. Right? <laughs> so, see, I, I, see, that's not going to help. That's not going to help. <laughs> right now, he's listening to a tiny little radio. Where the hell did that come from? I love this guy. Um, but yeah, I imagine there are so many songs of his that, you know, because he would have those gigantic anthems that would be yeah. perfect for you. Yeah. And that's crushing when you're like, you're back like, because it's almost like hearing Prince doesn't like you, you know. Yeah, in a I way. think it personally. <laughs> like, why don't you like me, Prince? <laughs> Never comes over anymore. <laughs> uh, Prince is in a, a very weird scene now. Prince, I think he was on the George Lopez show. Which, by the way, you're Prince. You can get on any fucking show. To Letterman. Yeah, Letterman Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel. I'm sure your people are in contact with them. Just call them up like I want them to come on. Conan, I'm sure, would have oh, you yeah. on. Why not? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Colbert. He, oh, yeah, Colbert would have him. Probably make him feel uncomfortable, but he would have him. <laughs> but he picks the George Lopez show. And Prince uh, had the best fucking line. He's like, I don't want people covering Prince songs. So he doesn't think that people should be able to cover anybody. Not just the parody song stuff, but cover anyone without permission. So he thinks that even though like, when he wants to do a cover, like he covered Creep, he should he should be going to Radiohead and fucking asking them. He did it to get even with Radiohead. All right. 
I don't know why he did. I, I figured I needed to have an answer. Um, yeah, he has covered other people. Uh, but he hates that other people can go out there and cover. Pre- now, I hadn't even once, you know, thought about this because, uh, last week, I actually stood up for the Lady Gaga and go like, yeah, maybe she doesn't want to do this. But just, and I know you get paid money, but if you really think about it, it's like, respect, who owns that song, Hicks? Who, if you hear the song Respect, who do you think of? Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. Otis Redding wrote and did and had a hit with the song before her, but her version was so fucking great. Yeah, so and, huge. And you and you know, it's not like she took it from a garage band. She took it from one of the great fucking soul men of all time. Yeah. Um. But she mugged him, and fucking seriously, <laughs> she mugged him, took the fucking song out of his back pocket, and ran down the street with it, and told everybody it was hers. She blew the fuck up with it. She, it's a it's a great version. But I wonder if the back of his mind was like, Jesus Christ, I wish you would have waited five years or, you know. He had to have come. I would have liked to have had that song. Yeah, really. Yeah, But I had never fucking thought about that before, that you could take a song and the artist might be not crazy about it. Now, I heard that happen before with uh, when Bruce Springsteen did the Detroit uh, medley. Um. That they were like, yeah, really? No, no, what do we do? But then eventually, I, I think they all came around and were on the same side together. That's good. Because what are you going to do? It's Bruce. Yeah, come on. He, he takes what he wants. And he takes what he wants, and he's, but you know, he, you know, he leaves the rest, but he should never take in the very best. I'm going to quote fucking Robbie Robinson in the band for you right now. Uh, but Mitch Ryder, you know, you had to. Mitch Ryder made a living out of just going around playing those songs. <laughs> and of course. Bruce put it all together. It's a kibosh. Now, Bruce is very... This is what a gigantic rock star Bruce is. I can't think of another rock star that people just yell out his name while he's on stage. They yell Bruce at him. Bruce. <laughs> now, the first time I ever heard it, I went, oh, why are they booing this fucking asshole? I thought they were here. They liked him. Because it sounds like boo. A little bit. Yeah. This one, you know, that's you. That's you, Bruce. You're there. Um, But there is a... Another fucking part of this, where now, uh, and I don't know who the union would be, I guess some kind of a performer's uh, union, but they're saying if you do something in the, let's suppose you cover a Sinatra song, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm trying to put this purposely, right? Mm-hmm. Frank didn't write his own music. Yeah. Yet when people sing those songs, they sing them in a Frank Sinatra style. Yeah. Now, the money goes to the writer. The songwriters. But there's some people who think, well, some some of that money needs to go to the people who... Made it popular. Made it popular. Yeah. Now, this is the difference between... Um, here's how the generations have, have kind of worked. Uh, in a pre-Beatles world, the singer and songwriter were rarely... The same person. All right? Mm-hmm. You would have, in the Brill Building, and it's why I love to have everybody from the Brill Building in here. I'm trying to collect every one of them. Um, but they would have a wing of guys that would sing. Then there would be a, a guys of 
of producers, there would be a wing of producers, and there would be a wing of songwriters. So the producers would walk back and forth going, what songs do you have? Here's my songs, and they would take it down and divvy it up. It's crazy. Factory. Right. It's crazy. It was a factory, and it ran well for a couple of years. Then the Beatles and Bob Dylan both kind of broke at the same time, and they were considered suddenly artists. And if you didn't write your own songs... You were somehow the monkeys. You were kind of considered hack. Mm -hmm. Now, up to that point, it didn't even dawn on people that they should be right. Nor did, like, Neil Simon, uh, Neil uh, Diamond and fucking people uh, like Carol King, they didn't even record their own music. They were like, well, I'm a songwriter. And never even thought, they never even went, hey, maybe I should start singing it. Hey, They're I like, perform. no, <laughs> I guess here's the skill I have. So after that, then you had the singer slash songwriter. And now we're at a point where you have the producer songwriter yeah. with an artist. Mm -hmm. Like uh, The Matrix was big a while. They did all the boy band songs and Britney Spears. Yeah. And then uh, Dr. Luke is a new guy now. Right. Hanging out hit after hit for... And the uh, person that was on, uh, the songwriter that was on American Idol. Cara Diagardi. All right, she's another example of here's what they would do with Cara Diagardi. And by the way, we should get any of these people on the show just so we could talk this one topic. But that and people that guitar players that are going to make you feel bad about hating Eddie Van Halen. I'm looking to get them. But they would take, let's say, one of these other people, Dr. Luke or Cara, and put them with the artist and say, now you guys come up with something together. Because the artist went, okay. I'm recording your song. I'm not getting paid as this fucking, you know what I mean? I'm not getting paid as much money as I was a songwriter. Yeah. So it's almost like I'm giving away the, the credits. Yeah. She's just so now what they do is I'm going to sit in the room with you while you write the song. You're going to tell everyone that I'm a songwriter. And get a co-credit on that. And get a co-credit. So all these people have co-credits. And a lot of these people, they write with a hundred different other people. Yeah, some of these songs have yeah ridiculous amount of people on them. Fucking who created this? I think uh, Britney Spears had like thirty writers on her last album. I was reading something like that. Yeah, and yet she's also on there. She's part of the writers. <laughs> yeah, is she? Because I, would, I so. would seriously, I'd love to leave her alone in a room with a piano and come back two days later and go play me the song you wrote. A couple of ditties. Yeah, it ain't gonna sound shit <laughs> like her hits. I guarantee fucking tee it. I guarantee. And ain't gonna sound nothing like her hits. Um, here's uh, Tom Yermanifez. Hi guys. Um, the thing you were talking about with uh, uh, Aretha and Otis Redding, the same kind of thing happened with um, John Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater, where he wrote the song "Proud Mary" and Ike and Tina took it, and then it became known as you know that's a Tina Turner song and. Uh, for a long time, John Fogarty did not perform his Creedence Clearwater material because of uh, he lost the publishing rights to it, and the uh, you know to his manager or something. And Bob Dylan told him, "Hey, man, you better get out there and sing that song again on stage, or people are going to forget that it's your song. They're going to think that's a Tina Turner song." Uh, the funny thing is, there's a lot of people with Dylan that don't know all along a Watchtower is his. Right, same deal. Um, because Hendrix took it to a whole nother fucking level. And I mean, he just obviously made it completely even different yeah. uh, than it sounded before. Um, 
here's Corey. Corey, you're on the Runafest show. Corey, we got you. Yeah, sorry about that, Ron. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to change the subject too much, but I have a little bit of a moral conundrum if you're willing to help me out with it. Well, um, I always do. Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. So, I went on vacation with my roommate about a month ago to Miami, and while we were down there, we met up with one of my friends from back home, his girlfriend and her friend. So, long story short, they, uh, I guess, hooked up. I don't know the exact details. It was more than probably necessary. But anyways, um, he cheated on her, and I'm sort of obligated, I think, to tell my friend what happened. But at the same time, I don't want to mess up my living situation. And I probably, I'm not going to tell him, but I just want to get your opinion. Should I say something? Because all right, I, I'm, confu- I'm confused about all the players here. Yeah. All right, give us who you're friends with. All right, my, me and my roommate went down to Miami. And, and that's a guy. Yeah, that's a guy. Right. And we met up with two girls down there, and one of them dates my friend back home. So my roommate hooked up with my friend's girlfriend, and uh, I really can't stand her to be at the first place. She's already cheated on him once. He already forgave her for that, and here he is, he is doing it again. So it's sort of habitual, and I think that I should say something. He's told other friends, this is the one, this is the girl, and this is the one I want to be with. And if he thinks that way, I think I need to inform him that, no, that's not the case at all. Uh, but here's the thing. You're down there. You're with one chick. Your roommate is with your friend's chick, right? Well, no, we just, we were, me and the other chick, are, we're long friends. I'm friends with both girls. Nothing between me and her. My thing all right, is, so you didn't fuck anybody? No, I didn't mess around with anybody. Right, why didn't you take guy. the opportunity that you had to say, hey, dude, you, she's with my friend, and say to her, you're with my friend then? Should I, I'm sorry? Should I? Why wouldn't you have said something that night, like, hey, what the Before fuck is him. going on here? It was, uh, it happened really fast. I didn't think, it, it, like, we just went out for drinks. It's Miami, there's like $20, $20 margaritas that we were drinking. And they were on one side of the table, there's feeling, groping. It was that, it was that. Yeah, but I mean, if you see somebody out. doing this, you gotta be the guy to go, hey. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you're with, both you guys are fucking making my buddy yeah. feel bad. I'm either stopping this shit now, or pick up the fucking, um phone and call him but you like let this thing go down and now you're being like kind of girlish running back behind yeah and you're right it feels like uh, I'm gonna get fucked in either of this like situation but the thing is it happened so fast like, nothing happens also, that fast seriously he just said he was across I, the I, was given, I didn't let it go without like, getting some different like you know some looks at him across from the table. I that doesn't mean know. shit to me, seriously. If there was groping beforehand, you knew it was, what was the, the path they were going down. I think what you really need to do is look in the uh, mirror and think of yourself as inadequate. And when you talk to your roommate, say, you've turned me into a, a passive cuckle, and now I feel like I can't even go look at my other buddy. Oh. And let everyone know that your passivity and your fucking inability to fucking make a move have hurt your own fucking friends. All right? Does that help or you just, you, you feel, oh, now he hung up. Why'd you go? He got his fucking feelings hurt. But he could have done the regular guy thing. Yeah. He could have been, hey, what the fuck is going on? Chill out. You, you guys- know how I feel about JoJo? Yeah. JoJo's my fucking dog. <laughs> I love JoJo and you guys are going to fuck everything up for this. It's JoJo, baby. So, Fez, you were at, at two fucking churches yesterday, huh? Yeah. You went from not believing in God to going to two churches in the same day to being locked up in here, huh? You're just just fucking crazy with all this? Uh, everything. Everything I do is just nuts now. Just, Pull the plug time? 
Um, uh, uh, no, I don't want to pull the plug, but yeah, just just nuts yesterday. Why don't you pick the phone up and call me? Why won't you let me know that, that we're fucking heading to this? I fucking tell you a million times. I thought I, I didn't know Easter was such a big deal for you. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be either. I thought I had a handle on it. Well, you know, if you find yourself at two fucking different churches, and neither one of them was your Lutheran church, huh? No, I went to the uh, non-denominational one, and then I went to a Catholic one. There's a St. Patrick's in Astoria, right over the bridge. Yeah, that's the famous St. Patrick's, isn't it? Oh, it's so shitty. By the way, you are squeaking crazy over there today. Sorry. But what is that sound? Well, these floorboards are uh, not in very good shape. Mine's I, loose. I have the feeling we're either going to find a fucking dead body or uh, treasure in there. Oh, I want to find treasure. What are you and your sister staying on the fucking uh, phone about for two hours? Just trying to make each other feel bad? No, no, I guess feel better. Uh, you know, just talking about my dad and stuff. I didn't even realize it had been that long. Till does, that I make you, does that make you feel better or worse? Um, I thought it was making me feel better, but then when I'm done with that stuff, just like I thought the church was making me feel better, I end up crying again afterwards. Hmm. Well, what's that got to do with today? It's just I carried it in here like a jerk. This whole fucking room could use some uh, fucking oil. You know what? This whole room squeaks and moves. Yeah, these these mics. Look at that. Hear that? Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't hear it. I'm not hearing it. Really? I've never been in a studio that had such a great view but lagged all the sound things. <laughs> like, visually, this is one of the great studios of all time. Least practical studio ever. Yeah. But for audio purposes, um, I don't know if it helps. Mm. I really don't know. Um, Fitzy, you're on a Fez. Hey, Fitzy, you know, when I'm feeling down, sometimes I just go to the laundry room. How long did you spend in the laundry room this weekend? Let's not get into that. Let's not make him feel bad. Uh, Tommy. Fez. Fez, listen to me, brother. I love you. I've listened to you guys for a long time. We need you to come back, brother. I know you lost your father. It's a tough thing. I lost my son. It's a tough thing to go through, man. Come on, man. Pick up the bootstraps. Get back into the game. We need you. I sound like Desmond from Lost. Call him Fez's brother. That's all I've ever wanted to do is sound like Desmond for Lost. Let me tell you something, brother. Everyone's been dead for a long time. Both in this dimension and the other one. Why was he the linchpin? The, uh... I don't even understand any of it. Hmm. I don't understand any of it. It's insane what happened to the end of Lost. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Joomer, that video they put out afterwards is fucking great. You know what kills me is I said everything Kyle Joomer, but didn't say it oh. properly. Let's see, look who just came oh, back. As I like to say, the world follows, but Steve leads. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. What's up today? 
As always, Ron and Fez. Oh, that's very nice of you. It's true. I got a real good lead on a guest. Ooh. It's Bob Dylan. I want to bring him in here and do all the shows with it. Should I hand it over to you, or who do I give it to? I, I think you that one to Fezzy. All right, I'll give it to Fez, and Fez will run with it. Yeah. Um, so what, what's up with you today? I just saw you peeking in the window. You are on top of the world, aren't you? That, you by the way, and, and I'm going to replay this on, on my show. Uh, Benny King uh, was everything you said. He was one of the sweetest men. He was almost like a Zen monk to me. He was such a person who took life for everything that life was willing to give and be accepting for all the good things that happened to him. But uh, off air, he said some wonderful things about you. Oh, that's sweet. That's I don't nice. think you know the way people in the music business feel about you. Um, <clears throat> just, you know, try to lead life. There's two ways of doing it, mm -hmm. for the moment or long term. And what do you do? The long term, you know. You have some you, bumps along the way, but... You live it for long term. I think you have to approach things that way, don't you? See, I'm just well, the opposite. You do. No. If anything happens to me, and like in this moment, I'll yeah, my entire life sucks. I hate everything about life. God hates me. And then if I get, you know, one nice thing happens, I'll yell, I'm bigger than life. I'm bigger than the law. I can't be stopped. And I'll feel totally great about myself. But you wouldn't be as successful in sustaining your career, Ron, as long as you didn't play it for the long term. That's true. So you may have issues along the way that annoy you, but... You know what? See, you've had this thing. See, you're a bigger-than-life person, too. No. You need to take Fez under your wing. Fez is having a bad day today. Oh, You need I'm to sorry. take Fez under your wing. But he looks good today. He looks, he looks okay. He doesn't look stressed. Well, do you think that he gives off like a stressed vibe sometimes around the house? Does he have a little bit of that? No, I don't think so. But he okay. just look. He looks. He looks very calm and collected. And I like to see him get back to buttons. I think he does better when he has buttons mm -hmm. on his shirt. No, I was just going to say the the color. Looks no, the color is good, but I the teal. I think teal. The, I think he needs some buttons. Yeah. So I'd like him to work in booking with you. We're going to move some things around. Okay. Uh, by the way, your your department and I, and I talk about this during Ron Bennington interviews. I know you. Do. It's. Unbelievable what, first of all, no one on radio has come close. And the history of radio has come close to what you guys have done. And it's bigger now than it was last year. The guests that come Thank through you. here is unbelievable. I saw <clears throat> so a movie you have to arrange to see. What's last that? Night, the Ozzy Osbourne. God bless Ozzy. Oh, is that right? It's really, really good. If you're an Ozzy fan, you're going to love it. And if you don't know who Ozzy is, or you could care less. It's a great documentary. Now, who made the documentary? His son, Jack. Oh, Jack was in today. With Early this morning, unfortunately, yeah. he wasn't here during you. No, that's fine, because I like when he's with, you know, Jimmy loves that, those people right. so much. Uh, Jimmy was there. I uh, love for them to get their thing. But this is a look at Ozzy that's different from the... Warts and all. Yeah. His first marriage, his, obviously, his ongoing abuse problems, mm -hmm. um, his first set of kids, which I didn't know he had a family before he had the current family, um, his problems, everything, you know, how he started going back home to rural England where he grew up. Yeah. Um, they followed him for two years. It's pretty amazing. And they've got some really old archival footage, you know, Sharon before she was the icon she is back right. in the day. So it's a fantastic documentary. They don't have distribution for it yet, but I was lucky enough to sneak it in last night at the uh, Tribeca. That's really, really cool. Now, you've been in the... How long have you been in the music business? What year did you start? 
Oh, I was a, a college rep um, in college back in the 70s. All right, so you know that Ozzy's been counted out of this business so many times. Yes. Only to come back strong. But the dirty little secret of the business is once you're a success, you never can be counted out because you're one hit away from mattering again. So if you, if you and I decided to start a record label, you'd say, get me a Peter Frampton because people know who he is, he's had hits, and he's only one hit away. You'd rather have Peter Frampton than somebody who's never had a hit before and was up and coming. I think you I think you want to have a little bit of both because you have those artists that are marquee that will attract consumer attention and I think you want to find something new and fresh that doesn't have any baggage. Give me somebody in the music business that you knew you saw coming before anyone else did. Like you're like, all right, I'm in here early and I know this person's going to be big. I would think one of the ones that I was, well, there was, there was two or three of them. It was George Thorogood, there was Joan Jett, and there was uh, John Cougar before he was Mellencamp. Now, see, here's another thing because of uh, the fact of knowing Steve Leeds. I saw Thurgood in bars because I'm from that area. Right. And, uh, you know, he was from so, somewhere on the other side. See him Bethesda at the Psychedelic? Uh, yeah, Bethesda, Maryland? Uh, well, I saw him at uh, Stone Balloon, and Stone I saw him... Wilmington. And, and yeah, Newark, actually. Newark, Newark. 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 Uh, but, and also in little bars, I can't think of the name of it, where he would... And then there was a place, I think it was called the Bijou Cafe in, in Philadelphia. It was a small place. Yeah. But he would come in there, some rooms not much bigger than this, and people that have never seen him live have no idea how fun that guy was playing like old rock and roll like that awesome. and just literally come off the stage and be like playing on top of your table <laughs> and he was he was a blast uh good calling it so you saw that one coming i was asked by rounder records one day that <clears throat> i was working at atlantic and they asked me if i knew anybody could help them they had this record and i unfortunately couldn't and then as life goes i just found myself unemployed and i said hey i know somebody can help you with that and they said who and he said you so so you start working that record early on, and Rounder move was on, like, "Move it on over." That was yeah, the, album, the second uh, album. Uh, the second album, because they were this tiny, I think, out of Boston, right? Yeah, they're just a little like, collective of bluegrass and folk records. Yeah, and then ended up with him on, and then I guess we were able to sell it, sell him to a major label, and well, EMI, they got into a, it was a long story, but they yeah. got into a you know, you know pissing war over that. Now the Johnny Cougar thing, they tried to make him Bowie at first, right? There was a weird deal yeah, it was there. The first album, it was on Main Man, which was yeah. the label that launched Bowie. Right, but then he was on Mercury, and it was the "I Need a Lover" record, and I remember people making fun of me at the time and going, "You think they take you serious, John Cougar? Come on!" Right, and Mercury at the time really didn't care to be involved with the project, even though they put it out. So it was uh, it was the "I Need a Lover" album. And uh, Pat Benatar covered that song and made it a hit before him, right? Right, but um, he had a couple other songs on that record, and he tore his butt off. Yeah, so. You could see he was gonna he was gonna be the guy. <clears throat> Steve Leeds knows this Hoosier. Business. He's a Hoosier. Uh, you need to see this little. We just had the folks in today from this uh, uh, movie called Roadie, which is about a guy who was a roadie for uh, Blue Oyster Cult. But oh, I heard about that. Yeah, it was really Have fun. You, did you see? Yeah, I saw the film. And it's it's fun. It was great. And I had them in today. So it's following following a roadie. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually, he gets fired by Blue Oyster Cult, and it's what happens when you're on the you know road for 25 years doing this one kind of job, and then it ends. You know, what, what happens when the carnival leaves town without you? Uh, pretty good little film, though.
Well, I got to see that. That sounds. Steve really Leeds, know, you know, everyone's like, oh, he knows music, knows everything. Everything. Uh, you got to go on. All I got to do is know you and you. Well, see that. See, he knows how to play to people. No, he no, makes no, everybody no. feel. You make everybody feel like a star. Teal right. is the color today. Yeah. color is teal. You make everybody feel like a star. Thank you. All right, there he goes. You are the star. You're the you star. Are. You're the star. Well, I'm sorry. What does that say over there? Ron and Fez. All right. There's two number ones on the show. That's, That's right. right. Two. Count. All right. Thank you so much, Steve Leeds. He's the man. He is the man. Um, I love when you always run into connections with people like that. Music connects us all, doesn't it? It's awesome. It's like as soon as he brought up Thurgood, I had like 19 <laughs> different memories, even Mellencamp, because Mellencamp was one of those guys that they tried to make into a star yeah it didn't work and then he just started to do his own stuff and then, and and then he had to be john cougar mellencamp and then finally john mellencamp and uh that's crazy but they tried to make him into like a ziggy stardust character that's john johnny cougar was like going to be his ziggy Ultimate stardust ego yeah. whatever oh that's fucking nuts and i remember him bringing up uh Main man, you never even heard this fucking term anymore when someone would say, this is my main man. Sometimes it was a drug fucking term, meaning this yeah. is my, you know. Yeah, yeah. Another term, it was like you would now just say, uh, this is uh, my boy. By the way, speaking of uh, guys that know uh, music, Carter from uh, Dovecoat uh, Records. And you have a good time with Carter, right? Oh, Instead of being him. a fucking prick to him. What? No, never. Well, he didn't show up at his party down I'm, there, and I I'm fucking fu I'd ask you to. I felt bad. I felt bad. Um. All right. Here's what uh, Carter says: There's two kinds of ownership to a song: publishing, also called intellectual, and master. Intellectual property is best explained when taking a song and transcribing it on paper. It's the actual writing of the song, the idea, the words, melodies. This is where the writers gets paid. Every use of the song, whether it's a spin on the radio, embodied on a CD, digital download, in entitles the intellectual property to, be, to a fee. The master of the recordings is the money generated from physical sales of the product that embodies these intellectual properties. Um, it is really not a... An, Easy fucking uh, business to be in. Um, that sounds like a lot of lawyering. Just a lot of ability, a lot of the minefield of getting sued. Yeah, Jesus. That's why, like these modern uh, songwriters, are fascinating to me because it doesn't seem like they write for themselves anymore. It's like you're writing for an audience. Yeah. It's like one of the things that blows to me about top, top 40 radio today is it does sound like commercials. And not only that, but country music. Yeah, country music more. Jesus Christ. It sounds like a Ford commercial. And I don't know whether that's because Ford commercial took so many of those songs. But it sounds like they go, like, intellectually, do we need to put this many phrases in there to make people feel something? Yeah. They need to identify with this sound or whatever. And then, you know, they want to buy this fucking product. Um, I got this email that was uh, sent to me the other day over Seinfeld. And uh, when the Seinfeld, Fez was reading us a Yahoo story the other day about Donald Trump and Seinfeld fighting. Um, and I stuck up for Seinfeld in that. And someone says, why do you and ONA always kiss Seinfeld's ass? He hasn't done anything, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, it's still if he's not the still not one of he's always in, been in the top ten comedians probably for the last twenty years. Yeah. It, he's when he's not at the very top, uh, but it's also the last TV show I think that had that where the guy walked away as number one. Yeah. Like, there was something about the way that he walked away from that show that's going to be hard to ever not knock him off the top of the fucking mountain. Because Larry David left the season before last, and then he... And then he but, but to be totally honest, you didn't know who Larry David no, no, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so no one really pays attention. No. You know, because I had uh, brought up that I thought, I think it was to Ricky Gervais, to show you the brilliance of Seinfeld... Is that, you know, he could have worked with anyone when NBC offered him that show. And he went to Larry David because he knew Larry David had the goods. Even though it's not like people were looking for Larry David at that time. It wasn't like, hey, Larry David has a deal. Seinfeld had the fucking deal. Uh, but I have no problem sticking up for him against Donald Trump. Oh, not no. that anyone's asking me to. No, they, you, they, you should be sticking up for him. Everyone should. Fuck Donald Trump. You don't like Donald Trump? Not anymore. No was the time that you did? Sure, yeah. I used to love Donald Trump. I didn't I know that. I remember his, my parents would take me down to AC and they'd sit me outside his casinos when they'd go in. I was like, oh, this place looks great. Wish what I would, go. What would you do out there? I, I would sit just... Sit for five hours? I would sit on the stoop or whatever it was outside the fucking casino. Well, what did you do to keep yourself going? I can't remember. I just remember being really bored and really wishing my parents would come back and fucking grab me. So you I had an awful life, or whatever. <laughs> Seriously, you had an awful... I mean, how old are you? That was birthday, by the way. How old uh, are you? 27. No, I mean, when this fucking happened to you. Eight years old. Anyone who's 27 sitting in front of a casino waiting for their parents would be fucking <laughs> mentally retarded. <laughs> All right, so let's get this through. It's your birthday. Yeah. You're eight years old. Mm -hmm. Mommy and Daddy said, you, we're taking you to Atlantic City for your birthday. Yeah. You're excited. You're thinking saltwater taffy, mm -hmm. swimming, arcade and playing arcade yeah, games. Cool, this yeah. is the best. Yeah, hell, you can't wait. Your dad, Mom, then see the casino. Bat, 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 starts to ring in your dad's head. Yeah. I'm throwing in another Seinfeld reference. They had said to you, wait here, Chrissy. We're going to run right in here, and we'll be right back out again. Let's play a couple quick hands. Then mm -hmm. we're going to come back. You'll be safe right here in Jersey in the early 90s. So, yeah, uh, still Atlantic City's got a scary vibe about yes. it. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and in the early 90s. Well, for people that don't know Atlantic City, uh, Monopoly has done the most perfect way of showing you what street to stay off of. <laughs> stay perfect. off those purple fucking mm -hmm. streets. Yeah, time and city. You know. Um, but, you know, I always hear you say kind of bad stuff about your dad, but, uh, I never heard you say that your mom would leave you outside. Well, she, like and she was an enabler, you know, and, uh, maybe she, she I doubt, she, she probably felt bad, but, uh, yeah, she might, probably, she was probably also with my dad to make sure he didn't piss all his fucking money away, too. Did you ever bring this up years later once you were growing up? Like, hey, remember that time in Atlantic City? Hell no. What would you like to say to your parents if they were here now? What would oh, you say to them Jesus. about that? I mean, if you could just tell them how that felt. Why did you have to abandon your son on his birthday outside a fucking sleazy Donald Trump-owned and operated casino? I just wanted to play arcade games. I wanted to play a little Street Fighter 1. I believe that was the hot game at the time. 
And now instead, I'm just outside trying to dodge fucking creepy-looking adults and people and terrible addicts. I guess my dad was the addict, too, and a terrible adult, but, you know, I had to live with him. I didn't appreciate that, mom and pop. And now you never get to tell them that. Mm-mm. Nope, they're long gone. Well, I guess not that long, but long enough. Now, Fez, for you, uh, I hate to bring you back into it. I know you said teal earlier, and that was fun. But in a comparison, Hicks had a worse life than you. Uh, in terms of parents, he had a rougher run than you. Lost his family when he was much younger than you. Um, actually, he has other problems that we say are worse than yours. And yet, you know, I mean, his electricity got turned off last week. And yet, this fucking disrespectful fucking practicing addict oh, yeah. can come in here and bust ass every day. I know, it just, it's, it's, it, it really makes me ashamed and disappointed in myself. And I, and I tell myself those things too. How do you look at him? How do you look him in the, in the eye? Not easily. Did you know that, Chris? No. Now I feel bad. It's almost like you are now playing the part of your own dad. This fucking room, all right, yeah. has become the Trump fucking casino. Oh, boy. And Fez is the 80-year-old boy sitting on the outside wishing Steve Leeds would come back and take some mic time. Yeah, but I just got to... By the way, you thought you and Steve didn't get together. He was completely nice. You here. Oh, yeah. Completely nice. Gregarious. Um... What's that word mean, by the way? Because I don't go around using fucking words like that. I think it's like uh, you're very, you give lots of things away, and you're just really happy and nice. By the way, remember I told you last week that um, Dave, without being asked, puts me in a $15 bet with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Knicks get swept, and I'm in a situation now where I'm looking over each shoulder. I, I never thought I'd end up in this. Trying to fucking make sure Dave doesn't fucking hit me up. Motherfucker needs that $15, Ron. I'll fucking run down the steps here to get out of fucking bumping into him in the elevator lobby. Luckily, he's only here Saturday, I'm so. fine, yeah. I, I, you know, I wanted to stop by and see Sam on Saturday. I'm like, fuck, I can't. Fucking Dave might be there. I want his 15. Yeah. He fucking needs it. He's looking for his 1-5. I'll have to go up a fucking flagpole if I see this fucking guy. You can see him coming, though. Hopefully. Um, Thomas, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fez. Yes. Listen, I feel for you, man, but as long as you can't participate in this show, and Chris Stanley is carrying your weight, and he's not even a fucking on-air personality, why don't you pay his bills for him? You got the money in your fucking pocket. Get his electricity turned back on, you cheap bastard. Well, that's getting very, very personal. Jesus. And I'm sure that's been in the back of Fez's mind for quite some time. Um, but the important thing is this. When fucking Hicks is sitting there in the dark, smoking a fucking cigarette, because I will, uh, will tell you this, dude. Yeah. We all know that there's some fucking unnamed problem that you haven't brought up yet. There's no unnamed problem. I don't know whether it's a fucking... 
a Shylock that you're dealing with. <laughs> I don't know whether it's fucking... I know plenty. You, you finally found the glass dick. I don't know what it is. Smoking bass. <laughs> By the way, I brought this up to this fucking... You heard me do the thing with Ron Elder today. Yeah. His coke snorting fucking scene was maybe the first time I said, that fucking guy. So, oh, so then Ron goes like this. Yeah, my agent told me... Ron, my agent said that he was going to stop doing coke, <laughs> saying I look that way. <laughs> okay. Agent. It's for, yeah. All right. Gotcha. Wink. Come on, Ronnie. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. I'm not going to sit and fucking judge. No, never. What do I know? What do who, I know from knows? one thing to the next? Whatever you know, you know. That's it. But I'll tell you this. With that Ron Elder, I feel like I could fucking be in a movie with him and the movie wouldn't suck. That's what a fucking good actor this guy is. That's great. And don't put down your acting ability. Well, I've only done my voiceover acting, which... Killer. Killer stuff. I'm going to tell you the truth. My career is not going the way I thought it was going to. Hey, there might be a lull, but that next, that next role is right around the corner, I'm sure. Here's the fridge. Fridge, you're on running Fez. Hey, Fezzy. Uh-huh. Why don't you uh, swap lives for a week with Pepper? You go live in his fucking dark shithole, and uh, he comes to live in your comic book, uh, comic book cat house. Holy shit. This Freaky Friday idea is fucking phenomenal. Thank it you, gives Ron. Fez a chance. It's like a fucking dream week where we're always saying, like, Fez can't see outside of himself. Not only do you guys switch fucking houses, mm -hmm. you switch jobs for the week, right? Okay. And clothes. So you're wearing each other's clothes for the week. Like dirty clothes fest? Um, and it's really been a long time since we've heard the thing of uh, Fez should pay somebody else's bills. It's been a while on this show, <laughs> but you've finally become Dave. Pepper. Uh, I don't need anyone to pay my bills. Would you be willing to do the Freaky bills. Friday? Would you live in Fez's apartment for a week, take care of fucking... I'm going to guess the cat's name is Musty. Musty? Yeah, I, I can take care of a cat. My my super is a little weird, though, so... I don't. I think they're trying to evict me. But they that's should not, try that's to neither here nor there, though. They should try to fucking evict you. Um... Andrew, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie B., I don't know where Hicks's money's going because OTB closed and he doesn't pay for smokes anymore. So where's the money going? It is. We've tried to figure this out because if he stayed in budget, we <laughs> know he'd be fine. I don't make much. No, we know that, but we compare you with the other people here, and they pay even more going into this since you've got the rent control place. So people are very, very curious about what goes on. Uh, Fez was going to go over budgetary stuff with you. Yeah. Here's Dave. Dave, you're on Fez. I don't need anyone to go over my budget. Well, he's going to help out. Budget, that I whole thing. Any, I don't need any help. I don't need anyone help. That already happened last week. Well, then Freaky Friday. Let's see if you can fucking stand living in his place, overlooking all of Manhattan from your beautiful apartment window, fucking keg on tap the whole week. Sick. Wouldn't you like to be in there, jacking off in that bed? Oh, you're fucking real weird. Dave, you're on Fez. Um, we lost you, buddy. Dave? Okay. 
Uh, we lost you because you finally spoke up too late. Um, John, you're in Fez. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Hey, if you do that Freaky Friday deal, is Hicks going to have to start sucking cocks? Uh, the quick answer to that is no, because he's doing it exactly the way Fez is. No dick sucking for me. <laughs> no thanks. Well, that would also mean that Fez gets some special time with your special lady. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we don't live together. You don't live together, but you spend those special times. Special. Are you together all weekend? Yeah. Every moment? Yeah. Where you at? Her place? Yeah. So for you, the weekend is like a vacation. Hey, there's a computer that works, and there's fucking lights and AC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you open up with her? Are you honest with her? Of course I'm honest with her. I'm honest with everyone. Yeah. Bill, you're on the Run Face show. Hey, Pepper, you know if your uh, power's been turned off... Oh, I can't stand... I can, now, now you're using a fucking different state. You fucking drive me nuts. You drive me nuts. Same fucking guy. Come I'm on. sure he's a nice enough guy. But he fucking lies. Don't like the liars. Makes me go crazy. I just hear that voice. It's like a live voice. Just be a person. Blowhard calls in his blowhard. Mm -hmm. He's not saying his name is fucking Nick from Kansas and then talking in his blowhard voice. That'd be weird. Blowhard, 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 fucking blowhard. blowhard. Um, Fez, I haven't heard you, what your opinion is on Freaky Friday. I would do Freaky Friday. Now, Hicks, that leaves it up to you. I mean, I have to talk to my fucking super because it might get weird because my building is I'm the, one of the last people with a uh, rent with a non co-op. So the, it might get if someone else starts living in the apartment for a week, it might they might get real pissed. So I just I just don't want to get fucked with the good the one few good things I have going up. Uh -huh. So I, I have to fucking talk to him and see just you guys already him. have a great fucking relationship, right? Oh yeah, sure. He never fixed that. Broken that means also. You've got to cry 20 hours a day and lock up on the air. If you want me to lock up, I mean, if that's what you want. Let's see you let's see try. All right, ready? Okay. Um, so what's going on with you lately? Oh, well, um, I'm living it. Um, uh, right, let me do a cut here. Oh. Too much energy. Oh. And not enough spastic movements. Okay. Should I sit down? Yeah. Sit down and think of it as a weight on your ass. Keeping you from moving. Okay. Hands on the table tight. There we go. I got it. So what's been going on with you lately? Well, I'm staying at Fez's apartment. Oh. What do you mean? Fez's apartment? Uh, there's a cat there. Fez, you lock up when you're talking to your sister for two hours? Um, Do you ever have to fill the DA? Uh, it happens sometimes. My sister goes on for quite a bit, so... Maybe she should be doing that. Maybe we do the Freaky Friday with her. You're down there. Bring her in to do a week with me. How do you think she would do on the air? She would do good. She, she wants to come up. She said she wants to come on the show. What about? I have no idea. She just said... Uh, she would like to. She'd like to come by the show. Does that seem odd to you, or does it seem good? Um, it just seemed like it, it just seemed like something she was saying. 
What do you mean by that? Like, I didn't know if she really meant it or not, or... So you don't have the kind of relationship where you can go, what? What are you talking about? Like when you go down to Florida, you go in and do her job with her? No. No, never. So why would she want to do your job? I think she just wanted to see you and see the building and stuff. People see this as fun. This thing that you have trouble with, people see as fun. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So that's the answer. And because... Now, Ron Elder went the other way and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. People can only do what you're doing for a short blast. What you do can't be done easy. I disagree with him. I think anyone who's listening to this show could probably do it just as well as any of us. And that's the thing that frustrates them. Uh, no, Ron. What are you talking quieter Ron, for? Ron, what, what happens Ron, then? Ron, El- Ron Elder was right. Listen to Ron Elder. I will say this. He's a good man. Overall. The guy had a much nicer uh, hair than you expected, didn't he? I thought he was just coming in short hair. They yeah. comes in with this mop on his head that's well, looking uh, good. Yeah. Well, no you know, you never you never know what he's, what role he's doing next. True. That's yeah. the thing. No wigs for him. He grows it out. Well, because he can. Uh, if you're if you're running down Bruce Willis, now that you're fucking taking shots at Eddie Van Halen, perhaps you like to run down Bruce Phil uh uh Bruce Willis for a second. I love Die Hard. Um. So do I. Guys, show on the Ron and Fez show. Two things, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, uh, Pepper, you get his paycheck for a week, so fuck that apartment. You can move on up and get the hell out of the nice place. And, Ronnie, how's your cigar taste then? First one. Here's a very interesting thing. So last night, it is the end of Lent. Mm-hmm. It's the end of Lent. And I made it through Lent. No problem. Now, for most of Lent, I was just carrying around an unsmoked cigar. Yeah. So I'm saying to myself, I'll take a good cigar out. I'll take a walk down by the river. Have a little smoke. Night it was up. actually yesterday afternoon. Night up. When I get down there, I don't have a fucking lighter on me. Oh, God. So then no. I say to myself, perhaps this is a sign. Because, two reasons. Number one, it's becoming more and more difficult to go anywhere in the city and smoke cigars. Number two... Even though I don't think it's ever going to kill me, it's still not the best thing for you. Uh, still. So maybe what I'd like to do is a, become a guy who smokes an occasional cigar. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, what I'd like to do is become like a. I'm going to just call it this name. Like a human being. All right? Now, a human being, they'll be like, they'll have a glass of wine. And then, another close point? No, no, thank you, I'm fine. Uh, or a guy who was like, he'll smoke a cigar, like, at the golf course, or maybe, you know, uh, a certain occasion with his friends. Yeah, yeah, every now and then. But if I get into cigar smoking, I just start to smoke five or six a day. You know I, what I mean? Like, and I do that with everything. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a, and it was very, you know, it wasn't the easiest thing to quit. No. Uh, I'm still using the pacifier where I have a cigar, to take my foot like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't lit it. I got lighter, I'm just saying. I don't want to enable, but... Well, but what is the point? What is the fucking point to start smoking now that I quit? You enjoy smoking, correct? You like I do nice enjoy smoke. smoking. Yeah. And you've laid out the cons that it's probably not going to kill you. Sure, it's not the healthiest thing, but... Hey. But it could kill you. 
It's not as and bad let's as face this: it's annoying to others. Who who gets annoyed by cigar smoke? Everyone on the fucking street. Fuck fucking, them. First of all, I've got this fucking passive guy in the fucking same building as me. Yeah. He goes so far away to smoke a cigar. I'll smoke a cigar right out in front of my place. And he's like, oh no, that neighbor over there. I go, what do I give a fuck if fuck someone him. fucking yelled? Who cares? There's this uh, Fox News cunt that lives in my fucking building, right? Yeah. Uh, she complained about this guy having a cigar in his apartment, even though you can smoke in our fucking building. Jesus Christ. You just can't smoke in the elevator. And he didn't fucking smoke anymore. I'm like, fuck her. Well, she also bitched about the coffee shop of people smoking out front on the sidewalk there. Because she says the fucking smoke wafts into her apartment. Oh, go to hell. It's, uh, you're on the streets in New York. You can smoke. You can fucking light shit on fire mm. and inhale it. Give me well, a fucking break. Well, you know what? You know the way the smokers are treated in this building? That's true. Outside. Look how far you get. No, you can't even be in front of the building smoking. No, they're pried away with sticks. Um, it's unbelievable. You know, what's his name keeps wanting to get back on the show, Tommy Z, because of what's happening in California, where basically you won't be able to smoke in the state of fucking California. That's, it's, that's, the, that's probably the worst fucking state with Bloomberg fucking wishing it was like that over here. And there, there was always the worst stories of people just not being able to smoke. They were the, they were the first not to be able to smoke in cars. Well, first it was not smoking cars with kids. Then you can't smoke in cars. And then there were specific buildings built where you can't smoke in them. Unbelievable. They hate smokers so much. Uh, Larry, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron, you think forgetting your lighter was a sign from Fezzi's dead dad so he quit smoking? You know, I'd rather not see things as a sign because, again, I've... But it was on some kind of subconscious level. Yeah. If I really wanted to smoke, I'd have been running out, you know, first thing in the morning mm -hmm. or midnight, the night before. <laughs> Counting the fucking I would have had my lighter with me. Uh-huh. You know? It's like I didn't bring my cell phone today, and I'm like, what the fuck do I... Am I trying to do less? Maybe I am. Nice. You know, when things aren't important to you, you're not going to act like they're, they're in their importance. So, no, I don't like to be that thing of acting like I'm getting signs from beyond. I know that's become your thing, right, Fez? Yeah, I tend to keep my eye open. And just, you know, that whole finding money on the street thing. Right. Is, yeah, something there. Mm. Well, it's starting to get, uh, the other day, um, we saw a penny on the street, and I did a thing like, Hey, look, it's Fez's dad, and everybody laughed. But the fact is, I don't, you know, this is how things at, at one moment, as soon as you share them with the world, mm -hmm. they could turn into a fucking joke. Things can turn real quick. Yeah. Um, let's go over here to uh, Pit Doc here in Memphis. Pit Doc? Yeah. Hi, Ronnie. I got two small things for you. I woke up at noon today and figured I'd listen to Ron and Fez, heat up some pizza, had a couple of slices. Wasn't quite full, so I cut myself some more pizza, mm -hmm. heated it up, re looked down, and realized I was eating a half slice. <laughs> Second thing, uh, for Hicks, uh, the script for Bill and Ted 3 was just finished today, so they'll have it up at any time. Why do you hate Bill and Ted so much, too, Hicks? <laughs> no, it's good news for Van Halen. <laughs> I wonder why you're this way. 
Finally, that guy gets some work other than Lost Boys. You know, you're right about that. This is such a fucking joy for him. Best day of his fucking life, man. Because he fucking <laughs> probably feels like Flo and Eddie. We're like, what do I got to do? I know I was popular at one point. Come on, Alex Winter. He's fucking good time. Oh, Jesus, he's aged. But not too well, bad. What do you want? You saw him when he was a kid in the 80s. It's fucking 11 right now. We have <laughs> fucking turned the odometer. It just you know, it surprised me. This fucking thing came up real quick. What do you think? It's fucking 87? Wish. See, here's the thing. People are like... Oh, David Letterman looks good because they see him every day. When you see someone every day, the Gradual. aging thing is fucking like, yeah, yeah, that's what they look like. But if you hadn't seen Letterman since fucking 85, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> he's fucking thin. He's balder. Crazy. But if you see someone every day, you're fucking fine with it. Oh, yeah. That's when, like, when people get freaked out when they see your dad, but he doesn't look weird to you. <laughs> Oh, what's wrong with him? He's fucking goes great. Yeah, looks the same. He looks exactly the same as when I was a kid. Hey, stop shitting on him. What the fuck? Now, on uh, Friday's show, I think the royal wedding will be uh, on TV that day. And I have no idea. Um, no idea at all why this thing is ramping back up again. But the amount of people who go on TV and talk about the royals. It's getting stunning. I'm, there's so many British people who are just like, Camilla was able to. And I'm like, how do you fucking know all this shit? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Andy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, what, now that you quit smoking, what are you going to do with your cigars that you have? Uh, well, right now I got them in the humidor. I'm nice. going to tell you the truth there. Nice. Um, and sometimes I, mean, I just open it up, take a nice one out. Smell it. Smells fantastic. Mm -hmm, I bet. And I'll go like this to myself. Cubano. That's what you say yourself? Cubano. I'm gonna, yeah, Lord of my little friend. You know, I feel good about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You should. Fucking giant human door. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's right. And every occasionally enjoy light one up. Right? You say it this way like you taunt me, like you want me to smoke. Do why is it that you want me to smoke? Just tell me. I'd like to have. I like. I don't want to lose a smoker. I know we're fucking getting less and well, less. Well, normally we do it to cancer. That's why there's less and less of us. Hey, everybody knows, Everyone knows what the deal is when they start. That's true. But now that I'm saying, perhaps there's no reason to keep this thing going. Now, um, the weird thing about it is, I do feel more stressed now. Really? There's oh, no doubt I've, I've lost another relaxation time. Yeah. Because here's part of my problem. When it's Friday for you, right, Hicks? Mm -hmm. You have a drink and you're like, okay, yeah. it's off time. Yeah, it's fucking right? cooling down. Uh, I don't have a cooling down place. Oh. I don't have anything left that I can say, that was work, this is now relaxation. This is the weekend. Yeah. Oh, boy. But normally I would like light up my cigar and be like this. Fez ain't a bad guy, and tell you the truth, I do think that he's into doing this. Yeah, but now you don't have that anymore. Without now, that. I think he's passive aggressive against me today because I know he had a bad weekend. But you know, quite frankly, Fez, as bad as your weekend was, do you think it was better or worse than Hicks? It was. It was probably better than Hicks. Then why does Hicks show up and do it? 
He's not insane. I think I'm pretty crazy. You're certainly not crazy. And when the show's over, I have a feeling that you're going to be talking pretty normal to me. I'm willing to put down money. I'm going to have a fucking secret camera for that, so I can see when he starts to talk normal. Okay. And then I want to have a secret camera following around my secret camera guy, because I don't fucking trust him. Okay, yeah, that's good. Cinema Verte. You see that on HBO over the weekend? Uh, no, but I, I wanted to see it. I don't have HBO, but it sounded... How was it? Was it great? Well, it's better to sit in the fucking dark, isn't it? Um, I read a review of it on the Post. They said it was awesome. And I trust New York Post. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Was it great? I don't... I will tell you this. They did a better job of getting the people to uh, look like the people that were in the movie did they and act like them. Did they have actual footage, like un like unused footage of the of This American Life? I don't know if it was unused, but yeah, there was some was of the that, footage okay. and there was some of our good friend Dick Cavett when they were on his show. Um, HBO is really interesting because... They certainly do stuff like they're better than TV. Like what they used to brag about, yeah. they really are. Because you're looking at this show and it got put together in a way that they didn't even make that big a deal of it. And they've got regular movie stars in hey, this. Tim movie. Robbins is fucking in it. Uh, Tim Robbins, Gandolfini, and who plays the mom? Diane Lane. Yeah, the beautiful Diane Lane. The always beautiful uh, Diane Lane. Um, So, but the weirdness of it, of you know, this was like the first reality show. They thought it was a documentary, but it, it turned out just to be a re regular, like a Big Brother reality show with the, with a real American family back in the early seventies. Yeah. Immediately, it was a reality show where the producers started to manipulate what was going on. Immediately, immediately they couldn't wait to um, make the gay kid into, you know, uh, a weirder thing than gay was. Yeah, yeah. This is where we were in this, that the mother was actually part of the criticism to the show is that the mother accepted the gay kid for being gay. Like, they didn't talk about it, Yeah, but they knew he was... Uh, Straight. Yeah, at that time, different, weird, but neither the parents would come out and say, you know, the dad would be like... I mean, this kid was like Andy Warhol flamboyant gay you know like uh -huh. he moved to new york was living in the chelsea and he'd be like hello mom and dad you're like jackie o you know just like really over the top and the dad would be like uh he needs to get a job and find a girl and like really? they knew he wasn't going to fucking yeah, do either not gonna happen um oh, lance but it was actually um it was a good fucking movie it really was. But it makes me want to go back and watch the original one from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Which I have a feeling would seem like it blew to me now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would just fail miserably. Yeah, because they do like voiceover. Oh. The American family. Pat sits and drinks after having a day with the kids. You know, they, they didn't understand that we don't give a shit. Yeah. Nice that you cocktail. Can just throw us into it. Tom, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, hey, Cubano, Ron. 
yeah, I also enjoyed the movie, and it also made me want to go back and see the original from the 70s. In fact, there's a few clips from it up on YouTube. I checked them out over the weekend. And it is dated, but it's still really interesting to watch. But regarding the acting, I thought that Diane Lane was great, but that uh, Tim Robbins and the kid who played Lance Loud really looked like they were quote-unquote acting like, oh, here's footage that we have to match. Here Dude, we have to, that we have fucking kid who played the gay kid, I don't know who he is, I never saw him before, but when they played the actual gay kid at the end of it, I thought it was the actor. Okay. I thought he was doing them exact. Yeah, he was. But, well, maybe it's because he was playing him as gay. That uh, right, you Look know, up it, it, Lance Loud for whoever played the part of Lance Loud. Thomas Decker. What did you think about uh, James Gandolfini? I, it, I was you know, really impressed with his acting, but it's so hard to look at him and not think of, hey, that's Tony Soprano under that fake hair. Well, the, see, the weird thing is for me, because um, I watch a lot of movies, I know that people do different parts. I don't know, I'm able to put that out of my head. Uh, but I will say, if someone's ever done our show, I'm like, hey, this is going great, because I like all the people who've ever done a show. Right, what else is the guy who played Lance Lout? He's yeah. done a lot of work. He's been in a couple episodes of Seinfeld. Playing what? He's Bobby in the episode The Wink, when uh, Jerry got uh, when uh, George got grapefruit juice in his eye. Um, the little kid in the hospital bed? I guess so, yeah. It was, it was this kid. And the stand-in. He was the kid. He was the, um, the that lady's son. Well, yeah, I mean, th that would have been, like, he's playing 23 now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, he could have been a little kid. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. He was in Terminator, Sarah, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, the fucking kid was good in this. He yeah. was good. There's a movie called Whore. <sighs> oh, I want to watch that. Uh, Tony Armand Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Uh, hey, Ron, I wanted your opinion on addiction. Uh, from somebody who's not addicted to stuff and has been able to drink and smoke and things like that and just doesn't get addicted, I just don't grasp how someone with, like, you know, I listen to you pretty often, and some of your, like, mental ability, how you can still fall into those things. Just wanted your opinion on that. Well, it's not like a lot of stupid people or addicts. You know what I mean? Like, there is, uh, you know, it, it takes place on a... Se a separate level from your intellectual abilities. As a matter of fact, you need to slow it down a little bit. Um, but, you know, some of our greatest writers, our greatest thinkers of all time, were addicts. It's almost like saying to somebody, oh, you're such a fucking, you know, together dude. Why'd you get such a fucked up girlfriend? Uh, who knows why we pick what we pick? <laughs> you know what I mean? But well, don't right. ever act like, like, I bet... That, you know, I don't know. If you're going to talk about the smartest people who ever lived, let's say Einstein. I get, I am willing to bet Einstein, while he was working on fucking papers, was fucking saying to somebody, I didn't mean it like that. Come on. I'm going to, just let me finish the theory of relativity and then I'm going to, we're going to fucking, I'm going to make this up to you. <laughs> Why are you trying to smell my fingers? I told you I was at work. What are you around? fucking trying to smell? Pussy on there? He's fucking around. Which, by the way, is one of the more embarrassing things when uh, Chick will smell strange on you and you try to Play it off. come up with fucking reasons why it couldn't be that and call her sick. Crazy. This is the... Uh, and by the way, the father 
uh, in Cinemavert takes kind of a, you know, dude who enjoys other fucking women. And I watched this movie with women. And they tell, they were telling me the worst thing about cheating men, which is like saying the worst thing about men. Because don't, whoever you are, maybe you're not cheating now, but don't act like you never did. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> you're a liar. Or you have zero game. But the worst thing about cheating men that the women said to me is making the woman feel like she's crazy. Okay. Like, like how that. could you say that to me? How could you do that? And like I was like, well, I can't relate to that. But I was thinking in my head, oh my God. How many fucking times have I done that before? This is the thing that you can learn by women. They will fucking tell you these things that you still have to act like you don't understand. What? And yet you do completely. Weird. Um, here's uh, Anthony. Anthony, you're on Running Fest. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but, uh, you know, I went through a DUI, actually, almost like two years ago. So? And I had to go through the whole, like, you know, the bullshit through the legal system and um, do one of those victim, like, uh, panels. So uh, they had one guy go in there, and he was, uh, like, 20 years, I guess, he's been sober. But um, and he says it's an addiction that he fights every day. And my my big question to him, and I guess I'm I'm asking you, like to me, you're really not addressing the issue. Like there must must be some sort of underlying issue. Like I think you really have full control of it if you're able to go out and drink and just like have it under control. Like to me, I think you're kind of avoiding the problem instead of like hitting it full on. I don't even know what the fuck sense? you're talking about. You sound like a guy that you can't. I don't know what the, what you're trying to bring up to me. Why did he go away? He got scared because he got questions, maybe. I don't know. What, what, what was his point? I have no clue. He was talking His about. point was that anyone who tries to give up an addiction, I think this is what he's saying, is avoiding it instead of dealing. Like, you, like everyone should be able to go out and drink. All right. Would you, th- would you then think that everyone could do a little heroin? Or everyone could do a little coke. Everyone's fucking smart enough to know. Or everyone could have a couple hits off a cigarette every day mm-hmm. and not do more. No. It doesn't make fucking sense to me. That's why I think out of all, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a, here's the thing. And I get the guy, he wants, he got busted on a DUI, so he's being watched. And he wants to drink. I get it. But you don't have to come around with a fucking made-up reason or a made-up philosophy. Just go, I just would rather drink. Then I would have fucking, you know, but don't act like it's a science. Um, We got a break here. Mm -hmm. Right back, run for us. On the virus. I'm sorry. Tommy gets a little loaded. He doesn't mean any disrespect. You don't mean any disrespect, Henry. Are you nuts? Billy, Billy. Freaks around the house. Got your hair burned. You got your red dress on. Screaming that second gear was such a turn on. And the fog. On my window tells me that the morning's here And you'll be gone before too long Who taught you those new tricks? Damn, I should 
shouldn't start that talk But life is one big question when you're staring at the clock And the answer's always waiting at the liquor store For the ounces to freedom So I take that walk And I know that It is the uh, Run and Fest show. By the way, this was Hicks every day in uh, college. Why well, he's Mr. I Hate Fucking Van Halen. Put the subline fucking mixed on, dude. Come he's on. down with that LB Das. Love it. That dog's a shit. Show. By the way, Hicks and his friends would all stand in a fucking circle and just... Fuck your rock out. Yeah, just rock out. It was a little too dangerous for even girls to get close. We got 40s just like the song, too. Yeah. You're like, you know, we look like those dudes. Uh, we got the Tasty Cakes the other day. Have you enjoyed any of those, Hicks? Oh, I've had a couple, yep. Very tasty. By the very way, lovely. if you take the butterscotch scrimp, uh, crimp it, mm-hmm. and you put that on top of the peanut butter uh, candy cake and bite them together... That's where the, that's the homage that comes from the Ron Bennington cupcake from Molly's. That was where it started. And Scram Doggity will tell you that story as well. The Scramster? Yeah. Scram along a ding dong. Uh, but you said you had no idea where it came from. No. Uh, came from a motherfucker run by the name of Tom. Tom, thank you. What do you mean, Tom, thank you? You already know? No, you said you said... Uh, this is Tommy's out of, uh, well, I guess he's either South Jersey or Philly, but uh, he's going to be in New York first week of May. He's an indie filmmaker. He's got a feature showing at the New York Independent Film Festival in Greenwich Village Ooh. on uh, Tuesday, May 3rd. It's a musical. And he said Franklin has been very, very helpful to him uh, with this. But let me tell you something, Tom. I wish you all the best. Uh, 
musical is a tough thing to pull off as an independent film, though. Yeah, well, they guess in Glee style, maybe, or... I don't know. Yeah. Hicks? Yes. I have no fucking idea right now. <sighs> I'd like to do something... A musical about Bradley Noel, if I could right now. That'd be but awesome. Here's the weird thing: I want to use the music of Foreigner to kind of tell his story. Wait, wait, wait a minute! He was already in a band. I know, but I can't get the rights to that. But it is very easy for me to get the the rights to Foreigner. Well, we could give it a shot. I mean, but um, I call it "Cold as Ice," the Bradley Noel story. <laughs> if I had sticks, I'd call it Bradley. Uh, no story, uh, blue collar man. But uh, there's not a lot I can pull off here. Hey, we got foreigner. Or Mr. Roboto. We got foreigner. Um, someone actually wrote to me that said last night Smokey Robinson um, interview inspired them to write a pilot for a Motown D- TV series, and they'd like to hook up with me about it. I'm not going to do that, but I do say good, good to it's, that. Yeah. Now, there was another contest that we were doing, Fez, that you wanted to announce. Yes, it was the Whatever Game uh, from Jennifer from the Whatever Show, of course, and Whatever You're Wrong on the Hallmark Channel on Friday nights. She did say a word submitted by one of the listeners during Friday night's show. The word was Rorschach, and the first person to submit that word was T.J. Yatsko. T.J. Yatsko. And TJ picked up the DVD prize Girl Fight. It was signed by Michelle Rodriguez. Did we get Sleepers signed by Ron Elder today? Didn't have a copy of Sleepers. We get LIE signed by the directors and writer? Didn't know they were coming. Okay. By the way, that whatever game seems like it took place last year. I can't believe that was just Friday. It's three days ago. Uh, we had another thing signed up for the Benny King, right? Yeah, that was a follow Friday to follow at RB Interviews. FF. The person we're selecting for that prize, picking up the signed Benny King new CD, Heart and Soul, C. Chipperson. C. Chipperson. Hey. Yes, sir. Benny King style. Why is that name familiar to me, Fez? I'm thinking it's Chip Chipperson. And why is that familiar to me? Um, I think I, I think we've seen it maybe on the Twitter before or in emails. So you, uh, so you, the Chip Chipperson is a Twitter person. I um, well, they're following on Twitter now. They're following RB interviews. Mm-hmm. I thought it seemed familiar too, but I couldn't figure out. Oh, it's um, I'm sorry, it's Jimmy. Anyway, it is the Ron of Fesh I just like to see. I'm an right. idiot. No, you're not an idiot. That's why your timing to, to cover for it was spectacular. You're able to, to use your natural timing to turn this into a funny bit. Um, hold on. If... Um, If you have a gun, Hicks, yeah. point it at me in my face because I don't want my mother to get a fucking cl- open casket from me. Right. I don't want you to pull That's the trigger. That's my only way I can finally get even with my mom. You won't get an open casket. Well, I mean, I'll get a gun. I'll probably have some bodies on it. But 
I get the feeling you, uh, um, let's go over to Lois. Lois, you're on the Run and Fed show. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Uh, Ron, I'm sorry I don't remember the name of the show right off the top of my head, that uh, HBO movie that you said you were watching about the family. Uh, that's The Loud Family. All right, that was actually on PBS. Uh, the actual, the original uh, show was on PBS. They showed a couple episodes. Yeah. I think they're giving away the DVDs or something. They were doing one of their um, fun drives, and uh, they were actually showing episodes of that show. I'm well, big. Huh? Tote bag? Let's go. That's only $98. For $98, you get a tote bag. And like I'm always saying to my dad, we'll get the tote bag separately and I'll get you the DVD separately. I'm not sending in for the best of the fucking doo-wop Fuck for $180. Uh, you know, let's... Uh, I, I do want to see that Hicks says to you now, right? Yeah. But have you ever seen uh, the first Albert Brooks movie? Which is called, I think, Real Life. No, I'm not. It was based on the Loud family. His first one was just based on the American family. Yeah, it was based on the American family series. where And he was the obnoxious producer who... And it's, it's like a reality show. Yeah. And it's the funny... Seriously, the funniest fucking shit ever. <laughs> Sounds fucking great. Ever. Ever. Um, I'm such a fucking fan of Albert's. Such a, a genuine, like, oh, not like, oh, I like, I'm a fucking fan of that, guy. Love? Yeah, I'll say it. I'll take it to the L word. All right. Does that make me come off gay? I'll nope. say it. I don't nope. care. You're a fan. But I will say this. One time I was watching uh, Modern Romance. Have you ever seen that one? No. You got so many movies to see, don't you? I know. I download Joe. It's, well, that has nothing to do with Albert Brooks. Just, the desert in has heart. Look at me. I've come up with an impression for you, okay. since you won't go to the movies. Uh, but in Modern Romance, he keeps breaking up with this girl, then he wants her back, and it breaks up, and he, he's fucking totally nuts. And I was watching this um, movie with a girl, and I'm laughing hysterical, and she is nut. And I'm laughing harder, and she is not, because maybe on some level, rightfully show, so, she sees him as a horrible person. Okay. Like, you know how a guy could go, that's horrible, and we laugh? Oh, yeah, that, without a doubt. Um, the, uh, this eastbound and down is the perfect thing. He's a terrible person. Scumbag. And yet, we laugh through the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm laughing hard, she's not, and through my laughter, and tears of laughter, I managed to spit out from the, there's no way this will work out between us. Because now it seems even funnier, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh -huh. That I know I'm so uh, mismatched. In the other way, in the other direction. Come on. Uh, getting ready to end this one up here today. And, um... Hanks, I haven't had the chance to talk to you all day about things that you care about. Oh, that's okay, you know. I, it's, that's fine. Um, have you seen the new trailer for this reality show, um, Beard Wars? I know nothing about it. Seems like it'd be great for Fez and Eastside Dave. Yeah, I know, yeah. But it's, uh, apparently there's something called competitive bearding. And it's, it's called Whisker Wars, excuse me. It's, it's, there's competitive, it's, I thought it was fucking fake, but apparently it's coming out on IFC. And it, it's just basically, guys, it's the beer challenge that Fez and Dave did. 
I had. Uh, I can't believe they're making a rea- just another reality show about this. It just doesn't matter. I mean, it's just not really overly watched. But I had a buddy growing up that could grow those kind of fucking things within a weekend. Just God. massive, massive red beard would come out of him, even though his, his hair on his head was uh, brown. Mm-hmm. His beard would come in red. What? And like he was so funny. His name was Berkey, and he would actually fucking click hemostats to his foot. He would always keep a fucking pair of hemostats on his beard. Sick. He was fucking hysterical. He was a lot of fucking fun. The other thing that was great about him was like if you would, if you say you want to get a cheesesteak, he would always like when he would he would always think about it. Like you fucking like it was something to pounds. You're like I'm hungry. I want to go eat it. Want to get a cheesesteak? And he would fucking go like this, and then he would always like rub his belly and go like this. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And it would be like, it was like the biggest fucking thing. You want to get a pizza? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Every single fucking time. He had to act like he was pondering mathematics. Deep in thought about fucking sandwich. That's great. So we're getting ready to shut this one uh, down here today, but I'm glad you brought me up on the Beard Wars. I'm just trying to I'm let you know. I'm glad that you did. Trying to keep you up on the reality TV, because once Jersey Shore's off, you need something to fill the void. Well, Big Cat Fez Watley, you, had a, you were kind of a no-show in here today. Yeah. We're going to take you for a walk down the hall afterward and figure out what we're going to do, because I can't, uh, I can't watch you in this kind of shape anymore. I'm sorry about that. I don't want you to be sorry. We just have to find a place for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought another nightmare in here. Another nightmare day, I mean. Well, just that, you know, we've had just not just Hicks, but, you know, th- four other guys. You're falling down. I don't think I've ever even gotten up once. But the f- the funny thing is, when you uh, fell down... Yeah. Your neck broke. Oh. So that makes it even more funny. That I'm just like squirming, can't feel my... Is it from the neck down, the, the paralysis, or do I yeah. have my arms? What I would say to a person who was paralyzed, yeah. I'd say, looks like you need a checkup from the neck down. And then, you know, I'd go... Then I'd go always go high five, and they couldn't. No, because I'd be paralyzed. No. Paralyzed with laughter, I'd like to say, oh, shit, that would be a perfect fucking show to come out. Have a stand-up fucking comic uh. who can't fucking stand up, and we call it Paralyzed with Laughter. It's going to be huge. And then, hold on, yeah. in the arena, uh. everyone's going to sit in a wheelchair, but they're on a ramp, so you never, and there's no fucking breaks. Oh, God. And that's the show. That's the game. Sounds ridiculous. And then if someone gets voted out every week. So this is a sitcom or a reality show? It's the first sitcom reality show with paralyzed co- comedy going on. This is going to take a lot of planning, but I think it's going to work out for The beauty of this is no planning. Oh. Everything that I've done is already done. Seriously? Yeah, in my head, what oh. I just said there is everything we need. Okay. Um, we have to get some fucking wheelchair wholesalers or something. I think people just show up with the wheelchairs. They'll just feel it in their heart. It'll almost be like at the end of Field of Dreams. They didn't do any work. They turn around. There's fucking lights going on for 800 miles. Yeah, really. It's like a Actually, too many people. I would have screamed out. We haven't even set up a ticket booth. We don't have bathrooms. T-shirts. And then no fu- Yeah, no merch. Do we know a merch guy who can get this shit going? Yeah, really. I mean, they only had that farmhouse. That was what? Two bathrooms at the most? 
Right. Oh, fuck. And I never got this part. Were they going to see the players or just look at an empty field? Because if they would have saw the players, it'd be really fucking nuts. Yeah. Then, then everyone be... in the world believes in ghosts. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. They've this fucking shitty cornfields prove that ghosts exist. Damn. And was Darth Vader ever going to come out of that fucking cornfield and write the story, or did he die? I think he. I think he was going to end up playing ball with them. All right. Yeah, but was he ever going to come back to Earth? No. No, he was just gone. I think. He just like he basically. So that man himself. died. Yeah, that man died. Him. He committed suicide. Uh, he saw a suicide at the end of that. All right. I got an idea for a thing called Field of Dreams Two. Okay. Only this time. It's with Transformers. Robots? Transforming your reality into dreams. Oh, my God. This is a head fuck. Is it? Yeah. My brain is fucked. It was even before we started talking. All right. I'd like to send this out with some Van Halen today, but Hicks is a prick. So we will not. Fuck you. Uh, so that's it for us. We hope you enjoyed the show. On behalf of uh, Fez and myself, um, anything you want to say, Fezzy? No, I'm dead. And that's the end of my show, Donk. Satellite of